Welcome, everybody. High Falutin Ski Bum Podcast. This is episode number 99. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? 99 is a good number. I tell you what, we're going to have a, a pretty epic time next week. You definitely got to tune in. 100 is a, that's a leap of faith right there. Yeah, it's amazing we've gotten this far. We've, we've you know, kept going uh, for almost, what, two and a half years now we've been doing this podcast. And two and a half years? Two when and I was in grade school, they're like, you're not ever going to have a podcast. They didn't even know what a podcast was back then. Just saying. I barely remember the human that I was two and a half <laughs> years ago. It seems, seems like a lifetime ago. But yes, yeah. number, this is number 99. Um, and thank you guys so much for listening. You want to check out unfam- all of our information, it's at skibumpodcast.com. Check us out on the socials, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast. We are on Pinterest as the Highfalutins, and we're also on SoundCloud as Highfalutin-Ski-Bum. Ski-Bum. And if you guys could, please, on your favorite podcasting apps, subscribe and rate us five stars if you would, because that would be super and would have more people be able to find us and like us so we can do get a bigger fan base and get more sponsors and do more cool stuff. Like perhaps send Brian to Snowcat Driving Boom. School. Snowcat School? Yes. Yeah. Well, it is um, Oktoberfest time, so it's not super. It's Zupa. Zupa. Just saying. Yes. With the thumbs up. Thumbs so, yeah, up. so please rate us if you could. And uh, if you need any help figuring out how to do it on iTunes because it's kind of a train wreck, we have instructions on our website, skibumpodcast.com. So check it out. Boom. And with that, starting off, as we always do. It's time for our pray today. All right, Brian, what you drinking today? Well, today is the official start of my second favorite season, fall. And boop, boop. with that, you know, it's time to say goodbye to summer. And Bye, summer. Bye, summer. See ya. Don't throw it in the ass. I have uh, come up with this. I, now, uh, this could be a we'll real drink. We'll see Summer on Rick and Morty, just saying. <laughs> now, this could be a real drink. I don't know. I just kind of made this up on my own. So nice. there was a drink that I, I heard about a couple years ago, and I made it back then. It's called a Hemingway daiquiri. And Did this was Ernest apparently what Ernest Hemingway would just drink all day when he was writing. Like it was like 12 of them. And what it was, it was two ounces of silver, like clear rum, lime juice, grapefruit juice, and maraschino liqueur. So I made it and I'm like, I'm not a big rum guy. So I'm like, I don't really like this too much. So for whatever reason, a couple days ago, I wanted to make it again and revisit it. Now, I didn't have any clear rum. So I used like Appleton, whatever brown rum and again i didn't like it but i had all this grapefruit juice and i was like oh you know what there's a local place down here that makes a drink called a ruby crush where they use like ruby uh ruby red absolute and grapefruit juice and club soda so i kind of did like a blend of the two drinks so i used grapefruit juice club soda vodka lime juice and maraschino liqueur to make this delicious drink, I'm calling the end of summer. 
Nice. I like it. There you go. Yeah, it's quite delicious. That's like mixology, Brian, coming out. Well, I made two of them last night, and I was watching the Joe Rogan podcast where they were watching the Canelo Alvarez and uh, Triple G fight last week. Nice. You crazy, Joe Rogan. I just kept (laughs) drinking these, and it was like real. I was like, it was weird. I was watching it, and they have Eddie Bravo was on, who's like super into conspiracies. And and, um, I watched that, and I had watched uh, another podcast. It was uh, Mark Marin's. He had Maynard from Tool. Oh, Maynard. I was just talking about about, about the uh, blood from uh, blood from wine. Oh, that that documentary is fantastic. Yeah, what is uh, bre- uh, his his winery out in Arizona? Yeah, great. We got to get down there at some point. Was it blood from stone or blood from, blood from uh, soil? I think or blood from. Blood from God damn yeah, blood it! From, blood from wine. I'm gonna have to look it up now. Yeah, but anyway, so Maynard was on there, and he was talking to Mark Marin, and they were talking about when um you know just kind of maynard's whole life and they were talking about the anima album that tool put out in like the blood into wine just blood into wine there you go into wine yeah so they're talking about uh the anima album and there's this you know um the song and it kind of references like arizona bay which was like bill hicks the comedian that was they they were friends and he just passed away and the album was dedicated to him so i started just like googling stuff and one of the first things you get to when you put in like bill hicks and Anima is Bill Hicks because he died of uh, um, what was it pancreatic cancer back in like the mid 90s, I think 94 or so. But people are saying that Alex Jones is Bill Hicks, like he didn't die, he just became like Alex Jones, you know, like the crazy, like right wing Infowars huh. dude. All so right, then you start going down these other conspiracy rabbit holes, and you go when you start getting that. This was all new to me. Do you know that some people think that Rush Limbaugh is actually Jim Morrison? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. There was like, I found this one page. It's like, dude, 100% guarantee Rush Limbaugh is Jim Morrison. And I was like, what the, what the fuck? Like people believe well, if you that. Get, if you get recreated, who are you going to come back as, right? Well, not that it was recreated. Like the government, like I don't think they got a hold of them. And then they just like oh, my transfer, in. of course. That that's allowed, right? Type it in. It's like there's <laughs> there's a bunch of articles saying that. Oh, I typed it in, and I got some really fucked up stuff. I can't even say it. It's just fucked up. The best is the third thing that you get when you type in Jim Morrison, Rush Limbaugh. It says Rush Limbaugh is Jim Morrison, one hundred percent proof. Oh, yeah. Yeah. These uh. That's one of the top searches. It's been like, if you want to really go down like a crazy ass rabbit hole, this is a great one to go down. You're going to question everything. So lunaticoutpost.com, the shroomery. There's a lot of well-known places here. A lot of very reputable (laughs) websites talking about it. Uh, Best for it news. Jim Morrison Morrison. is alive. Age 66. (laughs) His name is Rush Limbaugh. Uh, That's hilarious. He just cut his hair. Oh, that's all he did. Well, he lost his hair. Went bald. He got fat. Yeah. He's like, let me fake my death because I'm going male pattern boredomless right now. Yeah. You know what my favorite one of these things is? Like celebrities that have died and carried on. My favorite one is the one about Paul McCartney dying in 1966. And it's like fake Paul McCartney. Fake Paul. The fake Paul. Have you heard about that one? No. There's Dude, all these different- I am so out of like, oh so I, I work with a guy that's like a very big conspiracist, but he's like, into like the political conspiracy. I'm like, I love this idea of like 
celebrity conspiracies. No, tell him, tell him <laughs> I'm balls deep on the Paul McCartney one. There's all Dude, this evidence. Like if the you funniest look- thing is if I if I go to him and tell him about another conspiracy, he's like, oh yeah, I heard about that too. <laughs> you got to research it. No, there's a whole thing. Like if you look at the Sgt. Pepper's album, the way like Paul is dressed differently and facing a different direction. And these are all- Wait, wait like, did they play the records like, backwards? Symbols? Well, there's all like these all these little indications and these symbols that something is different with Paul, and then people have surmised that he died in 1966, and they got like a different guy as like the new Paul McCartney. Wow. Yeah. So that's so that's what this beverage will help you do is to kind of like unlock your mind and start going down crazy different rabbit holes of conspiracy theories and whatnot. So, yeah. So, did you ever listen to Stairway to Heaven backwards? Just saying. <laughs> Dude, I had, when I when I was growing up, there was like a guy who lived next door was like the creepy weird guy, and um, he uh, he was like into like all these like metal bands when I was like seven, and it was like kind of freaking me out. But like yeah, he we would play like records backwards. Like can you hear it says like Satan is Lord, Satan's Lord. Like, oh, I love Satan and Oh Sweet Satan. Yeah, there you go. Like Ozzy Osbourne and like Motley Crue backwards. I'm like I don't hear anything. Wow. I just hear That's noise. <laughs> That's awesome. You can hear whatever you want to hear. There is something actually. There is something about some song backwards that you can hear. Yeah, Paul McCartney's dead conspiracy theories from Time, Time dot com. Yeah, that's it. It's legit, man. Hey, hey, I know people that work at Time. Just saying, it's legit. I know. <laughs> it's something like like the uh, the old John Lennon's like earlobes were connected, and the new ones is not, and like there's all these like weird little. Here's things. the thing. I would love if they're not dead. That that's why I'm like I love these all conspiracy theories. Like people are like, oh, it's gonna freak you out. No, it's not gonna freak you out. It's gonna make me happy. I want to believe that Elvis is still alive. I yeah. I want him to sing fucking like shit out like in a local bar. That'd be great. That'd yeah, be was, fucking was, awesome. So they were saying that he was uh, was a car accident, and then on the cover of the one album, they were uh, it was featuring. The Beatles pose amid raw meat and dismembered body parts, symbolizing McCartney's gruesome accident. And then wow. if, if you put uh, a mirror in front of the Sgt. Pepper's album cover, the words Lonely Hearts on the drum logo could be read as I 111X, he die 111. Yeah, nice. And of course, there's the Abbey Road cover on which John... George and Ringo forewent all pretense and pretended to cross the street as a funeral procession. John wore all white like a clergyman. Ringo the mourner dressed in black and George donned jeans like a grave digger. Paul wore no shoes. He didn't need them because he was dead and walked out of step with the others. Like it's, it's crazy the way That's people wild. have like dug into this and like tried to, uh, to figure right, out. So, <laughs> The only difference is I don't get the chills because I don't have the music behind. It's like, <laughs> and then you tell me that shit. I'll be like, oh my God, I, I'm getting chills. That's fucked up. Yeah. You tell me regular now, like without any music or special effects. And I'm like, all right, that sounds kind of face value. Let's see where this goes. You know? Yeah. You do a little special effect and I'm like, oh my God, this is creepy. Dun, dun, I tell everybody yeah. about it. <laughs> so yeah, there's some, uh, all right, dun, dun. <laughs> there's some belief. Yeah. So if you want to go down a crazy rabbit hole, make one of these drinks again, grapefruit juice, vodka, club soda, lime juice, little maraschino liqueur, and, um, go Google some crazy stuff and see what you can find. And just you never enjoy know. the ride. <laughs> Free your mind, man. 
for you and I, man. All right, Mario, what do you got? I'm drinking a very vanilla thing from what you drank. It's called Ice Cubes and Buffalo Chase bourbon. Bringing it back again. I'm bringing it back again. It's uh, it's round two because, you know what, I've been uh, slacking at my drinking duties because I've been packing the shit out of my place. So you're going to just grab whatever's sitting around anymore, right? Like, it's just... Uh, Everything's packed. Like, so the Buffalo Trace I left out. So I'm like, I'm going to drink that till it's gone. And I tell you what, man, it's, gonna, it's not going to last this weekend. So I'm on a good schedule for this. Um, I haven't brought it to work, which I'm very proud of myself. So uh, I'm telling you, go with my idea from last week. Like, <laughs> like two miles away, just start pounding it. <laughs> you get, so you, it won't hit you till you get out of your car. And you oh, that'd be great. Be like, woo, what a great lunch break. <laughs> Then again, you could go all or like Bachman hit traffic. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, no, that, I didn't plan this well. <laughs> <laughs> the vision quest? That's <laughs> fucking great. I tell you what, like, I, I shotgun this. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be like, whoo, I can't drive home. I just drive to work, Uber home. I don't know. You get to work and puke. Oh, I think I feel home. sick. <laughs> I think I'm sick. I have to go home. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so uh, I'm just doing that. Like, um, I didn't – so unlike Brian, I don't – You have to drink a lot of it because you have your new uh, your new uh, testing beverage for afterwards, right? Yes, and that's going to be a good segue into – dun, dun, dun. I finally got it. So I'm going to put pictures on the web of the morning recovery, which used to be called the hangover drink. And uh, I finally got six – I think it's six vials of this. Yes. Six vials of this lovely looking drink. And I'm wondering how well it works. But I told Brian, I was like, we have to get really like super crunk to see if this really works. So, uh, I I think I'm going to test it tomorrow. (laughs) Well, I think you drink that whole bottle of Buffalo trace. Now, how do you, now this recovery, how do you, is it, do you have to keister it? Like, do you, how does it work? (laughs) So you open the um, you know, you open the bottle and you insert it in your anus and then you you verse chug it. <laughs> that's the best way to take anything, really. Exactly, like vodka. You want to do a vodka shot? That's that's usually how you do. You end up chugging. I mean, you know, isn't that so, how it's so, all going? But so you kind of have to plan ahead if you're going to go out and get hammered. You have to make sure that this morning recovery drink is somewhere where you're going to end up at the end of the night. Well, the idea is you just like, you know. I guess for normal people, you know, not me, you keep it in your own fridge. But, like, if you're going to hook up with a girl, you might want to hand it to them. But, like, here, put it in your fridge, like, you know, or before you- we hook up, baby. Just saying. What about just keeping it with you? Like, you keep it, like, attached to your leg, like a freaking Navy SEAL. I think we're, you're going to have to keister it. <laughs> you have to keister it? You're wearing keister shorts? Well, if you're wearing you shorts, you put it in your trousers, like, whoa, what's that? It's like, well. And that's my morning recovery, baby. How hey, you like that? Morning. <laughs> that's right. You'll find out tomorrow. I got one for you, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think we're going to have to get super crunk. So I'm going to try to get super crunk this weekend and test it out because the idea is you drink it before you go to bed, which is always tough because I pass out like a five-year-old usually, like normally. and um, Wait, with or like? No, no, like. <laughs> oh, yo. Yo, yo, yo. Pass all the way to five year old. I'm like, I just run in and just right out on the couch, anywhere. I'll just, and that's not even drunk. I'll just pass out anywhere. I was just like, I'm out. That's why you need some sort of like a, 
like motion activated morning recovery drinks. You know, like as soon as you, as soon as your body gets to, you know, like parallel to the floor, automatic automatically. You're talking about? Yeah. Oh. Automatic level. Automatic uh, mouth insert. That's a little pornographic there. Uh, that was you putting your own special little twist hey, on it. Hey, hey, hey. I'm hey, just thinking I'm like just an, saying. What about like an, uh, you know, they have a better way to do like a home IV drip. You know, like think about how you have the IV kind of set up. As soon as you get horizontal, it just automatically kicks in. It used to be called the hangover bus, and now it's called something else. It's like the IV thing, whatever. It's in the city. I fucking still want to go to it. Maybe I'll visit this weekend. Days, right? Yeah, maybe I'll do maybe I'll do the hangover drink or the morning recovery as it's branded now. Um, I'm gonna do a big spin class tomorrow. I think in the city. I'm gonna do Peloton, baby. Look at you! I, I gotta do Peloton. It is like the celebrity thing that everybody's doing. I'm in there. Let's ride a bike that goes nowhere for an hour. Hell, exactly. Sounds but like- we're going to do hill climb nowhere con tomorrow and then hammer around the city. And then I'm thinking I should do hangover, like, you know, the, the IV drip and then come back and then get super crunk and then have an, another morning recovery. Let's see who's, who's fine on Sunday. You do some vodka tampons on the way to the class. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. Anal chugging. Anal chugging. Then that's, go right to the, the uh, yeah, bus. it's good enough for a college guy. We're going. Just saying. Uh, so that means I'll probably wind up at the. Then uh, again, there's uh, it's it's Oktoberfest. There's a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of reasons why I really do need this hangover drink. Yeah. Um. You could be playing beer pong golf all night. Uh yes, I could. Um, That's just another saying. quality lead-in right there. Yeah. So, speaking of beer pong, Brian. Yeah, so that was the new craze that is taking over the fraternity houses all over this great land. Beer pong golf is here. You didn't hear? Beer pong golf? What? Beer pong golf. Uh, So grab a case of Natty Light and brace yourself because beer pong golf is here. We've yet to see the USGA or RNA embrace it as part of the Grow the Game initiative. And if you press your ear against the board, you might hear soft wails from the ghost of Bobby Jones. This is from a golf <laughs> website. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I mean, these acronyms. Golf.com, man. This is golf.com. Keeping it real. Oh, keeping it real what? Uh, uh, so it's like beer pong, beer pong, beer pong plus golf equals beer pong golf. It is just that simple. So what they do is like it's a special makeup because like you have to like – it's almost like – uh, mini golf, but you have like beer, beer, um, beer pong it's, cups. It's, it's more like cornhole. The way it's yeah. set because you have the boards and there's like exactly. two boards that are angled, and you have to kind of chip the golf ball into the cups. Yes, but so, they're shaped in like the V of like the beer pong. Right. So you have yeah the beer pong, but it's like a cornhole board. Yeah. Yeah, and you got to chip. And that was it. I guess ping pong balls, right? Yeah, I like it. So it's saying you need uh, two 48-inch by 24-inch boards that have 10 slots cut in, like the wedge, like beer pong. And um, then you have green plastic mats and hollow golf balls. So they're like, you know, they're very light. You can't like really wail them, which is good. Um, And then you do 12 feet from the board. You get into teams and you chip shots. And then you see who, just like beer pong, wins. Now – 
So I'm looking there on the, um, they have a Kickstarter page. Yeah. It's awesome, right? Dude, they made $138,000 on this stupid fucking game. So their goal was to raise 20000 and they raised 138 and change. And they still have fucking days left. It's crazy, that right? That is dotarded. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys that started this are like, they are definitely like on their way to have a successful business because this is freaking great for them to, uh, you know, they came up with the idea, they sold it to people. Like, you know what? If it takes off, golf right now is having a, having trouble keeping people interested in golf, period. Dude, it you just know? takes so damn long exactly. to play a round of golf. Like, if I so, play like four holes, that'd be awesome. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm good with about 12 holes. If you had 12 hole golf, I'm, I'm a champ. Yeah. Once you go to 12 to 14, I lose my shit. And I'm just like, I don't care about this goddamn game. Yeah. I get mad. I love their official video on YouTube. It's their, you know, their Kickstarter video. There's yeah. one comment and it's genius. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is that? Uh, their, um, their YouTube page with their official video. There's <laughs> just one comment. Genius. Which it is. Genius. Let's be honest. It is. Yeah. Boom. Says they're all. So yeah. So beer pong golf people, it's out there. It's out there. Not fake news, real news. Really gonna happen. The realist. I would like to say, you know what? All right. So think about it this way. You go to your local golf establishment, maybe town course, whatever, and there's nothing going on at night. Let's say the bars clear out and you say, Hey, let's go play beer punk golf. Now you have something open at the golf place. Gold mine. That's a terrible idea. Gold mine. It's a terrible <laughs> idea because you're giving drunk people golf clubs. Exactly. You know. But you're charging them for it. And horrible, nightmarish shenanigans will take place. <laughs> hey, somebody wants to get busy on the golf course, it's going to happen. Just it's, saying. It's not going to be getting busy. There's someone's going to have a freaking nine iron to the back of the head. It was going to happen. That's where YouTube comes in. That's where that's where you get the stupid news from. Well, see, golf is getting so lame. Like the the big thing now is people just like running people over with golf carts when they're trying to shoot. Dude, if I that's the big thing now because it's so boring. They got to make it exciting. Let's run people over while they're shooting. Dude, that's the best part of golf and just taking that golf cart and just fucking wailing around. It's great. You definitely have to go on Steve's. You got to. Talk to Steve. You got to go on his uh, wave runner. It's fucking great, man. Holy crap. What the hell does a wave runner and beer pong golf have to do with each other? It's called about running people over. You just mow people down. It's great. It's awesome. Anyway, America. Um, (laughs) So anyway, uh, Jet 2 Passenger UK spots a beer in the cockpit after landing in British Airport. So there's a passenger that just recently flew... Uh, jet two. So jet two is like the British value jet. And, um, they, they were getting off the plane. They saw a beer and it's great. Cause we have the link and the link shows the picture that they took of the beer in between the pilot and the co-pilot just sitting there. And they're like, was somebody drinking a beer? And the, one of the stewardesses were like, no, we, you know, that was a uh, passenger was getting off the, um, the plane and we just put it there, but you know, they weren't drinking it. I don't know how you want to build this, but like, it's still bad to like do anything where you put any alcohol near like the cockpit. So 
I don't know. Even if it's harmless, still shame on you. Just saying, right? Yeah, and um, if you want to go deeper into this story, it was two gentlemen who are married together who reported this. Ooh. Yes, Steve and Steven. Steve and Steve. And they were very concerned that alcohol was even allowed in the cockpit. I think it should be allowed because nobody's flying a goddamn plane anymore. Just saying. Yeah, I do love the first the first comment on the story is uh, on the Fox News edition of the story, just another flower causing drama. <laughs> oh, wow. Just brutal. That says it all. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, I don't know if it's real news or fake news or they're trying to get something out of it, but uh, I don't know. I think if I put yourself in that position, if you saw a little beer in the cockpit, I'd be like, I landed safe. I saw it after the fact, so I'm like, all right, it's cool. If it was a bumpy landing, I'd be like, that's why I had a bumpy landing because you drank the goddamn beer. Yeah, those, it's, it's all autopilot pretty much anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to lose faith in humanity real quick, read the comments section. Oh, I love the comments. The comments are the best, People man. Lighten this dude up. <laughs> Woo, flame on, man. Flame oh, on. Man, it's brutal. <laughs> and you never know if it's somebody just trying to make a headline or whatever. All I'm saying is it was out there. I pulled it in because it's interesting. It, it was yeah. a good – yeah. It piqued my fancy. Let's put it that way. Peaked it or tooted it? Uh, I think a little bit of both. Yeah. All right. So with that, I think it's time we hop into the old gondola. So this is going to be a little bit of a foreshadowing. Um, Mario, what is our bean of the week this week? So our bean of the week is the hurricane. HRC from Leafly. Uh, the Hurricane is a it's a 70-30 Sativa dominant hybrid from Colorado breeders of Reserva Privada that combines the spicy hot genetics of Panama Punch with the OG Kush flavors of the award-winning LA Confidential. So fruity smells, undertone of spice, earthy herbal flavor when smoked or vaporized. Um, and it's it's a potent mix of indica and sativa. So they're saying it gives you a nice, pleasant, giggly head high, which I fucking love, man. Who doesn't I will love never the giggle? Love the giggle. Right? Who doesn't love giggling? I never forget Seattle. Just remember Seattle. Giggly motherfuckers that we were. Um, <laughs> we were the opposite of sleepless in Seattle. Oh, my God. We were like, laughed our ass off, and then just <laughs> woke up at 3 in the morning like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I was laughing before. That was one of my favorite 15 minutes of my existence. <laughs> it was awesome. It was like, awesome. We just like, laughed hysterically for 15 minutes straight and then all passed out. And it was not the Bruce Banner. I'm still mad that we did not have the Bruce Banner. It was, um, what was it? God it was God's it. gift. Oh, God's gift. Yeah. It's the God's gift. Duh. Just saying. Uh, anyway, I so you were church, and instead of the incense, <laughs> you put that in there. I show up to church every damn day. <laughs> I gotta go to service now. Like, I got a Wednesday service I can come to. Dude, I'm going. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm I'm there. I'm there. 
I'm volunteering and shit. Um, but anyway. an altar boy. It's like, dude, you're 50. I'm going to be an altar boy. That's right. Uh, do I get to handle this stuff? I'm good. <laughs> so they're saying giggly, pleasant, uh, head high with pain relieving indicate effects. I tell you what, this is close to what we had. Uh, generally consider, consider, considered suitable for daytime use. I guess it's, it's not what it is. It's the dosage, right? So, mm-hmm. And all the reviews are like, wow, this is great. I love it. Great head high, like felt great. Uh, people fell asleep with it. Cerebral visual head high. Like, like they had really good experiences. So um, I tell you, Leafly, I fucking love Leafly, man. They do, uh, they do some, they're doing God's work over there at Leafly. Well, the way they break it down is very scientific. They're like, oh, so let's, let's talk about effects. So they're like big euphoric, happy, relaxed, energetic, uplifted. And then the negatives, like, are totally a lot lower, like, from their bar chart. They do, like, bar charts. The, like, dry mouth is way up there. So you're going to really have a dry mouth. Which, when, um, you, when you think about hurricane, the last thing you think about is dry. Right? Exactly. Um, dizzy, which I think a hurricane, I think a more dizzy. This is only half dizzy. True, yeah. Uh, dry eyes, anxious, and then anxious and headache are, are, like, down there. So I'm like, that's all right. I think this is... This is in the wheelhouse. I like it. Yeah, sounds pretty uh, pretty good and quite topical right now. Yeah, the so hurricane. The first story from the gondola. Now, this is a pretty cool study. This was out of England, and they're saying they did a study, and it says that marijuana prevents people from doing hard drugs. Nice. And, you know, there's always the the thought that marijuana is a gateway drug. And it always has, you know, that, that thought process has always been there. But what they did was a five-year-long study involving 125 patients, all of whom were suffering chronic pain. 83 were taking cannabis as a prescriptive pain meditator, whereas 42 chose to abstain. They found that 34% of the cannabis users stopped taking their medication in comparison to just 2% of the non-smokers. continuing to take their prescribed drugs. Our current opioid epidemic is the leading preventable form of cancer in the U.S. I'm sorry, form of death in the U.S. I don't know where the hell I pulled that from. Killing more people than car accidents and gun violence. Wow. Um, So he explained that painkillers and street heroin typically kill 90 people in the U.S. every day whereas some studies claim that cannabis consumption has never directly caused a fatality. There were, so <clears throat> I just read today there was one fatality uh, reported due to cannabis, and the person had a heart attack, but I think they had a chronic thing, and they smoked a shit ton of weed, and then they had a heart attack. I'm like, well, your heart could give out with a lot of shit. Like, yeah, but that can't. They, they said they can't directly be blamed on the, the cannabis itself. It was just, you know. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like saying, oh, you know, I, uh, I, I ate some kale chips and then I had a heart attack. You really can't yeah. blame the kale chips for the heart attack. It's just, or like you have a heart attack, like banging. Like that happens all the time. What happens? That's what we do. <laughs> Every couple of weeks. Yeah, totally. Dude, same. That's yeah. a good way to go out. Just saying. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now to get me in the same vein, <laughs> kind of in the same vein. So 
on Fox and Friends, if anybody watches, uh, Dr. Oz, which I love Dr. Oz. He's got, like, good, fresh perspective on a lot of stuff. And he's kind of middle of the road, which I like about him. He's, like, he just talks about, like, what's good and what's not bad, what's not good. But Dr. Um, Oz, I mean, a lot of times you got to take a grain of salt with him because he does sell a lot of the products that he's hoarding on his show. Right. So he does, you know, sell his books and stuff like that. But, you know, I like how he gives, like, have you ever watched a Dr. Oz show? Because I've woken up at, like, 2 in the morning, couldn't sleep, and I watched the Dr. Oz show. I'm like, that's not bad. I have some relatives who swear by everything he does. I don't swear by it, but I tell you what, I like how he presents it. Like, he presents it like, take it for yourself, but here's here's what I'm giving you. You know what I, I mean? Like, I like the science behind it. If you want to give me some science and some evidence and some uh, some documentation, I'm all in. Yeah. Why I love what he says here. He gives, yeah. So he's on Fox and Friends, and he's on there being interviewed about an upcoming interview. He, he was asked to talk about an upcoming interview with Ivanka Trump. And uh, the reason why was because I've never she heard su- of her. Yeah. So she, she suffered from postpartum depression, and that's kind of what they were what had him on to talk about. But um, the interview ended, and I guess they didn't, they didn't outtake it or they didn't, like, cut to, like, commercial or whatever. And, you know, he interview ended and, um, Ainsley Everhart, which is, I guess, um, one of the anchors on there. I haven't watched in a long time. Uh, said if he was, um, if, if the anger over Donald Trump's presidency was bad for the country. So he was like, well, you know, he agreed. And, uh, then yeah, you talk about depression in there. That's kind of where it led from. They were saying, oh, well, you know, like all these people are depressed and part of it is because, you know, they're not happy with the president, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then it led into that's why people are on opioids. So then um, it went into a discussion about opioid epidemic. And then he was like, the real story about the, the real story is the hypocrisy about medical marijuana. So this is like a quote. He's like, quote, people say marijuana is a gateway drug to narcotics. It may be the exit drug to get us out of a narcotic epidemic. That is such a great quote. Which is great. And he said, quote, we're not allowed to study because it's a schedule one drug. And he said, quote, and I personally believe it could help. So I just think like this is a medical professional. He's given advice to a lot of people. He does a lot of research. He has even... I, I doubt he does even 80% of the research that he talks about. He has a team of people that are doing research. And I tell you what, for him to come out and say this, that means there's some some backbone and weight to be given to it. So I'm just saying, like, glad somebody's finally coming out and saying, even if it's bad, we should study it. Even if it's Even if you think it's as bad as opioids. It's better than opiates from what we've seen, so let's prove it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's great. In the interview too, right before they, um, when they first mentioned the the opioid epidemic, one of the host people, they were like, "Oh yeah, we just had a uh, you know Governor Christie here talking about it," and he's like, "Yeah, that," and not in so many words, he's like, "Yeah, that fat fuck doesn't know shit about anything," and he kind of went into <laughs> the whole thing about like, you know, kind of, yeah, get, hold, like, hold on a sec, like marijuana. Yeah, hold my beer while I give you some truth. He know? knows about. Marijuana is not. He a knows game. about eating a lot of food, and he knows about hanging out on a closed beach when he closed the goddamn beaches. That's all I'm that, saying. He knows he a lot about knows that. that. Costco has a three pack of pork roll, like the big old whole thing. That's what he knows about the opioid <laughs> epidemic. 
And it was great to see Dr. Oz, someone who does have a medical degree, bring up that, you know, this is the, this is the exit drug, not the gateway drug. And it's, uh, it, it's it very well could be. Yeah. It's great seeing that, that spread. Now I wonder, I wonder if he's probably going to get some sort of like backlash where people are like, Oh, you know, Tide's not going to sponsor his show anymore because what if he said on Fox and friends. Dude, I don't think Dr. Oz is so hot. I don't think he, I think he realizes he could say whatever the fuck he wants. No, if you want to not back him, people still listen to what he says. And you know what? At this time now, it's so great. Like all these like back in, you know, it's always been like the sponsors were threatening your, you know, to boycott your, you know, your show if you said things that they didn't like. Now it's the point where it's like, you know what? Fucking boycott. What's going to happen? We're going to lose three sales. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, I'll just go on the internet then. I'll go on Vice. I'll go have a show on Vice then. You know, I'm sure they'd pick yeah. him up. Well, here's the thing. If he's, if he's spouting some rhetoric bullshit that's unfounded, he's actually spouting something that is, is pretty common in certain circles that is not like just wingnut kind of stuff. So you got to take him for like, you know, he's an authority on, on like what he does. And I don't know. I, I, think it's, I think it'll work out well for him. Yeah. No, it's uh, <coughs> history will paint a very positive image of Dr. Oz if you, you know, based on his belief in, in cannabis being a positive thing. So, you know, we, uh, we'll see how things go down in the next few years, but, uh, you think he's on the, on the right path, which is great. Yeah. I just like it. Cause he's, he's explained a lot of stuff. Like in the past years, like I've watched Dr. Oz off and on. And I tell you what, when I watch him, I'm like, wow, he's got a lot of cool stuff to talk about, which I'm like, I respect him. So I'm kind of like, I'm glad like people that watch him religiously, he's like trained medical professional and he's making an opinion based on medical evidence, not on just, oh, well, you know what? I got to satisfy the pharmaceutical lobby or I got to satisfy, you know, this, this group of lobbyists here. So, you know, he's actually got real medical evidence, which is how policy should be set. Exactly. And, you know, uh, just, just this past week, I got some feedback from people that watch our show, listen to our show. And are, um, they're like, no, I don't, I don't smoke. And I'm like, well, you don't have to smoke to like understand the science behind why you are not like, so when we talk about cannabis, we talk about it a lot on our show. And I think it's, it's good to point out to people that it's not like we smoke all the time. I, I rarely ever, ever have smoked in my life, but <laughs> I just believe in the fact that this is a potential cure or treatment for stuff that is not legal, but it should be legal because it's better than the effects of stuff that is legal. And yeah. and people don't get that, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm completely with you. Like I haven't smoked in, geez, it's been a couple months now and it's not even about, you know, just getting baked all the time. It's really, for me, what it did, it was, it, it kind of opened the doors to kind of look at, you know, why things are illegal. I, I like knowing the reason why things are, you know, it's like, Oh, well, this is bad. Okay. Well, why is it bad? Let me look at the evidence. Let me look at the facts. Let me look at the research and the studies. And when you, and I'm a big believer in, in personal freedoms as well, you know? So when you look at the history of, of marijuana, of cannabis and how it was just, you know, you, it was, it basically started with racism. I mean, that was the whole reason for why it was banned yeah. back in the thirties. And you kind of follow the money and you follow the, the reasoning and the rationale for why it was banned. 
you just, it's really just, it's gross. And, you know, we always yeah. want to think of America as this wonderful place where everyone is equal and everyone has an opportunity and everything is great. And we do the right thing all the time. This is just a, one of many examples of where our country is gross and has a history of some, some not so, not so positive uh, tactics and methods for coming up with our policies. So, you know, oh, yeah. For me, I. But in all honesty, like I've seen per- firsthand the detrimental effects of alcohol. I drink alcohol. We are both proof because of it's, the detrimental effects of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like you know, I, I, I growing up was was not a good thing. But um, I tell you, like alcohol is, is has pretty detrimental effects. Well, you know, um, and I see opioids like. So we have alcohol and opioids are legal. Like you could have those. And I'm like, I've seen people go down like really bad paths with both of those. And I'm like, in all honesty, I'm like, why is marijuana or cannabis different? And I'm not even talking about like having cannabis legal for like getting high. What about the cannabis that doesn't get you high, but treats medical conditions? That's what I'm all about. I'm like, why can't we even have that? Yeah. And then you hear the stories about, you know, the Charlotte's Web, the CBD helping out. Exactly. Kids. There's no there's no THC in that. There's no psychoactive effect of that. And you see the attorney, attorney general just kind of like, you know, scoffing at that evidence of these, these kids being helped by this plant. And yeah. it's just, it's disgusting. It's just, what would you do if your brother or your son or your child is having a seizure and the only thing that's helping is a CDB that doesn't have any psychoactive effects. It's not weed. It's just part of the cannabis plant that you're giving to them. And it's, it's, it's like stopping them from having that. Like if you've ever seen anybody have a seizure, I've seen it. It's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely terrifying. I couldn't imagine as like a parent seeing that. And, you know, as you know, just having being a parent of a four week old now, I, I would just, I would do anything you know, to help, help this little guy, you know, be healthy and strong and safe. And if, you know, God forbid he ever did have, you know, seizures and needed cannabis, I would, I would pull up our entire life and move to a place where grownups make the rules and you could actually get the medication that was necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know somebody had a a dog that had seizures. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It was, it was terrifying. I saw him had, I saw the dog have a seizure. I was like, what? Yeah, it's just, it's, I mean, again, we've gone over this a bunch of times and it's just, it is just gross seeing that, you know, people can, you know, people in power can just, you know, scoff at, at medical evidence just because their agenda, their education they got. It's the bullying. I don't like the bullying. Yeah, that's what, that's what it is. They're the ones who always kind of talk about, you know, anti-bullying and anti-this, anti-that, and they're the, the biggest, you know, violators. Bullies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right, enough of that. Let's get on to some ski news. There's a lot going on. There is. So, you know, we'll kind of glance over quick. There's, it's been snowing all over the place this week. Um, there's, uh, there's been snow out on the West Coast in Washington, in California, Wyoming, Utah, Colorado, and Montana. So, yeah, it's already, it's not even it. the end of September, and we're already getting a little bit of snow all over the place. So 
it's uh things are looking good. I guess like they're saying La Nina is what's lining up for the season again. La Nina helping us out. And we remember what a dirty, wonderful little girl she was last year, La Nina. So dirty little girl. I like it. I mean, do you remember Lake Tahoe? There it was, you know, massive drought. It was how many feet under the the level it was supposed to be at, and now it's there's like a surplus of water in California. Like that's what La Nina did. This is, La Nina is the Tahoe, is what I'm talking about. There you go. <laughs> All right. First story. Hit us up. All right. So what we got going on now, there's a rail jam contest, and Snoop Dogg <laughs> is kicking it off. So Bear Mountain, snowboard season already. And, yes, it is true. A lot of people are like, what? They're, like, really kicking it off? Yes, they're kicking it off. So um, this Saturday, so tomorrow, is when um, Bear Mountain is kicking off the event for snowboarding season. So they always have their, like, beginning of snowboarding season. So they're uh, having, like, a whole uh, freaking event going on. They got Snoop Dogg uh, or, or DJ Snoopadelic uh, at 3.30. What happened to Snoop Lion? I, just, I don't know. It can change it, man. You yeah. got to keep following them. Choose your um, animal, right? That's right. Method Man and Red Man are going to be a, like, it's like a good concert. Wow. Yeah. It's like a good concert. But Method um, Man is on that new show, The Deuce on HBO. <laughs> oh, is he? He's in the role he was born to play. He's a pimp. Oh, fuck yeah. Pimping ain't easy. Pimping ain't easy. Uh, <laughs> So uh, it seems too early for snow, but it's not. Mammoth Mountain plans to open in six goddamn weeks, and I love it. So November 9th is when they're going to open. They're having their kickoff right now, and the timing, I think, is impeccable. So they're going to be like – they're going to have this event, and it's going to be good. And uh, they're actually having like a few Olympic events, like Olympic qualifying uh, before people go to South Korea. Um, and that's kind of like the other thing. Like, if you haven't realized, the Winter Olympics in South Korea, February 9th to February 25th, they're not that far away. Well, this is also assuming that South Korea exists. I'm just saying. Six months because of all the, the drama in the, uh, the world today. The drama. Say the drama for your mama. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know what? I love the year of the Winter Olympics because you get the Winter Olympics and the World Cup in the same year. Oh, where's the World Cup this year? Russia? I believe it's Russia, yeah. I believe they're going to cheat again. And I'm going to say that right now. Dominique Putin, you might want to hack us, but I'm going to call you out and say you're going to cheat again. You say Dominique Putin? Yeah, I'm going to call Dominique Putin. Dominique Putin? I don't recognize. Yeah, I don't recognize his real name. He's a little snow puff. He's like scoring 10 goals on little babies on his. That is one of my favorite video clips ever. It's like his (laughs) third birthday and he's playing hockey, like his birthday tournament. And he's like lighting it up against like former NHLers. He's like six goals and like four assists. Yeah, because that really happened. That's fake news right there. Thanks, Dominique Putin. Dominique Putin. Oh, (laughs) so on that note, after I'm going to get killed by some KGB guy. What you got, Brian? All right. Next up, Boreal Tahoe goes green. Boom. California's ski industry's largest solar project unveiled. That's awesome. So Boreal has set a great example by installing a 235-kilowatt solar 
photovoltaic system on the roof of the Woodward Bunker. This is the largest solar project by any California ski resort. Hopefully other ski resorts will follow suit and make solar energy plans of their own. Nice. Um, so now they're getting, because of those solar panels, they will be getting 15% of their energy required to power the entire Boreal and Woodward campus. Oh, that's awesome. Um, they get about 300 days of sunshine per year. So they're saying Tahoe is like a perfect place for doing Damn. solar. And you know what the and economy they, they call is? Florida the sunshine state, right? It's the freaking It's not. Crystal meth. It's a myth. State. Yeah. Fake news. Yep. Hashtag fake news. Yep. Well, that's all marketing. So, um, so they're saying that, you know, 300 days a year. So 15% right now. And I guess, I wonder how Tesla having their gigafactory right over in Reno is going to, if that's going to make any difference, if they're going to have some sort of, you know, access to, you know, the, the solar panels and power wall that, that Tesla is building right now. If there'll be some sort of, you know, um, some sort of, I don't know, what would you call it? Like a partnership or subsidy yeah, or yeah. something where they'd be working. So, so Tesla builds a big power wall, right? So how is that going to work? Are they going to like take stuff off the grid, give stuff back to the grid, like keep track well, of who's I contributing? I think that all depends on the different power companies in the different areas. Because Tesla yeah. has, they have... They bought Solar City, so they have the panels as well. They have the panels and they have the power wall. Right. So they're an energy producer. Pretty much. On the grid. Yeah. So now let's say you produce at your own home, right? So this is this is it's contingent on the state that you belong to. Because I've heard that if you if you generate more power than you use, there are certain states where they actually don't buy the power back. You're just giving it back and there's they don't give you anything for it. Yeah, that's which sucks. is pretty messed up. So there's a lot of legislation right now. It's like in in line to pass. But no, you know what you uh, goddamn do? You set your air conditioner to 52 degrees, <laughs> and you build a fucking fire at the same time. I love it. You're a nice cool 66. People you know, are all pissed off at me. I'm like, you know what? That. If they were doing that, like I would use every goddamn drop of energy I could. I would have all oh, the lights on. I'd, shit, I'd, have yeah. my, I'd have my blender running all the time. Just, just leave it on. I'm using all my goddamn energy. I'm like just running everything. The fucking blender on all the time. TV's on every day. Yeah, why not? Computer every day. If I'm getting like, extra computers. Just set up a Bitcoin. Yeah. I'm mining Bitcoin is what I'm Mine's saying. Mining Bitcoin. How get some plant? Get some lights in your basement and grow your uh, your pot plants. Hell yeah! You use all that energy. You're not going to give it back to the goddamn energy companies for free. Yeah, I'm going to partner with the Snoop Dogg contingency is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, Snoop Dogg's going to, yeah, that would work. That would work well, it out just fine. Why isn't Snoop Dogg some sort of like a home grow, home grow like kit? Almost like, like, chia, pet? Green, man. like a chia pet? Like <sighs> a chia pet? Snoop Dogg's like weed chia pet. Holy shit. If you get a Snoop Dogg chia pet, I think you're on the list for the, you're like on the <laughs> FBI watch list. Yeah, right. <laughs> Like on the narcos watch list. God damn it. Can't even grow this goddamn thing. It's just like <laughs> it's like fucking uh bean sprouts. I can't even grow this shit. Because yeah. they keep they keep saying it coming in here and saying, What are you growing? God damn it. I thought I was growing cilantro, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is a cilantro head, right? Come I on, man. Some cilantro, man. 
It's just Snoop Dogg with a finger up going, buck, buck. It's not what I expected. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, it's great. It's magical. That's right. All right, so we're going to move right into eight things to learn before ski season. So our buddies at... It's a powder, right? Powder. Uh, gave us some some tips. like, And this is just like generic, like things to be aware of and just make sure you know. Whether you're a first-timer or like a – this is really like a, even if you're like a season skier or boarder. Um, so we'll go through uh, number one, uh, how to put on chains. If you don't know how to put on chains for a car, you should learn how to. And if you don't know what chains are, you should get some if you're going to a place that has a lot of snow. Cause it's now you had, on your previous vehicle, you had chains, right? Oh, I still have them. I just gave them to uh, – I think I gave him the goodwill just now because nobody wanted them. So you don't have them. Don't have them. Uh, I don't need them in Florida, so figuring I'll, I'll figure it out when I get down there. But no, I remember like now. Didn't we put them on your car the one time? Oh hell like, yeah! Didn't the guy like wave us into like VIP parking because he was like, so uh, yeah. VIP parking in Mount Snow because he's like, oh, you were in chains. You're park wherever you want. I was like, hell yeah, I like that. You're like Jersey's rocking chains. It's right here. Parking. Dude, I love it. Um, chains are very important. I tell you, if you're in a, in a place like, especially if you go out west or in a blizzard condition, people are like, I oh, know I got all-wheel drive. All-wheel drive is good to a certain point. Chains are like a little step above. If you have great snow tires, that's another thing. Um, so think of it. Brian, you have snow tires on your car, right? I sure do. It's fucking awesome, right? I love them. Oh, my God. What a difference they make. Big, it's a big difference. I didn't think, I thought it was shit. I tell you that, I got snow tires, big difference. Yep. Snow tires with chains? I'm going, unless I'm hitting ice, I'm riding over everything. The only thing better than that, and I, I, I spent about an hour and a half looking it up this week, Jeep Wrangler with freaking like the uh, snow track tracks, the snow yeah, tracks. Yeah, snow oh tread, yeah. Oh God, that would be the shit. Boom. Or a Tesla, a Tesla with freaking snow tracks. Oh, can you imagine doing like ridiculous speed up a mountain? Ludicrous speed. With ludicrous speed. <laughs> I'll do ridiculous speed. You do ludicrous speed. They're it like, works. Yeah, you've totally void your warranty doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you put these things on it? Yeah, you're Whatever. Right. Come on, man. So worth it. Taking her jobs. Get, get, get her done. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, uh, public transportation routes. Everybody that goes to a ski town, you got to know the bus schedule. There's usually like a little local bus that goes free and shit like that. It's awesome. So definitely look where you're going. I mean, every place you've been, Brian, I think they always have like a local free bus, right? Yeah, I think my favorite one is at Mount Snow, the Mover. Mover. And it looks like a cow. Yeah. We were out in uh, Telluride. They had the free one. We were out in... um, Jackson. Jackson. Oh, Jackson was great. Should take you to a mountain. Like, whoop, whoop. Come out. All right. Um, know your tolerance. Um, this is very big to know. Um, not just know your tolerance. Just, like, know when you should say no. Because if you're in a high-altitude area, shit's going to get real, real fast the next day if you just get all hammered. Yeah, that was the – that. you know what? I see that more in Europe – than in the states, remember, yeah. like there would be times where you know you're going out, you go, you 
you know, you go for apre, you go back to your room, you get some dinner, maybe you take a nap and you go out. I mean, you see some of these like, let's just stereotype it. The Brits, they're there in their freaking ski boots at like, you know, two in the morning. Yeah, but you know, here's the other thing. You're not really at that high altitude. We're in fucking Vail. I tell you what, you are, dr- you are pounding water because you're like, I'm going to, and you're still miserable the next day. Like you just, the altitude kills you. They're not used to it. Cause they're like Austria, like, like anywhere in Europe, you're, you're sleeping at about what below 5,000 feet. That's not too bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Snowbird was the worst for me ever. Oh yeah. That's Snowbird. We did a good job of pounding water though. Oh, we crushed water this time. The most recent time. Yeah. Then again, there's nothing else to do. So it's kind of like in 4% alcohol, which is the other reason I don't know if I like Utah. Just saying. Just saying personal. <laughs> Number four, how to use your AV beacon. So we talked about it. Bury it in the sand. Dig it up. Go find it. Like, give it to your kid. Let them run around the house. Go find, like, just, just you know, just bury it in the neighborhood. I don't know. But know how to find it. Know how to use it because you know what? It's not even you you're saving. Other people that you go with are going to appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the next one? The next one is which multi-pass to get. So, everybody knows, Vail, Colorado, you know, Epic Pass, Mount Collective. Like, figure out where you're going to go. Uh, know how to use a singles line. I tell you what, this is great. You scheme with, like, three people. Like, all right, guys, we don't need to hold hands. Let's just freaking go through the singles line. We'll meet up at the top. It's great, man. It's great. Great way to do it. Uh, Where your core is. I love this one. So, hidden beneath beneath a summer of fried dough and enchilada Ritos are the abs of yesteryear. (laughs) So, poke, poke. You can locate them and make sure they are in shape. Because I tell you, it's going to help you out immensely. Um, and how to ignore your body clock, which I still can't do at my age. I just can't do it. But, uh, if you're traveling, you're going different time zones. Um, you know, do the, uh, you gotta be able to switch like 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. alarms and, uh, it's crazy. So sleeping with the lights on, um, trying to get used to like sleeping in the day, like traveling at night, like that would pay dividends if you could do it. Um, That's the best thing about like being on the East coast and going out West. Cause you're like, Oh, this feels like nine o'clock in the morning for me, but it's actually six o'clock. Yeah. That's always nice. That's awesome. Yeah. But your, your show is a pain in the ass. Like when you go out there, cause like you get there, it's like, Hey, welcome. It's breakfast time. You're like, I didn't sleep at all. You know, Game like a date almost just to uh, get your body clock reset to the local time yeah or a few hours yeah that's all you have you gotta roof yourself uh advil pm that's that was the best advice ever given to me that's true that stuff is magical just self-roofy it's great all right next up ski industry is lobbying for more immigration and here is why this is another story from powder and it's talking about how, you know, a lot of the, the jobs in the ski industry are obviously seasonal and they're talking about that there's about 300,000 people right now 
many of whom are college students visiting the U.S. each year on J-1 visas, which are de uh, designed as cultural exchange work permits for short-term foreign visitors. Um, ski towns rely heavily on these visas to fill these seasonal jobs. Estimated 7,000 to 8,000 J-1 workers are employed at ski resorts nationwide each winter, according to the National Ski Areas Associations. Yet tightening governmental restrictions on foreign visas may make it harder for the ski resorts and other ski town employers to continue hiring these short-term international employees. Um, you know, like we've seen it, you know, whenever you go out skiing, it's, it's kind of cool. Like you see people and they'll, they'll have like their name tag and they'll say, oh, where they're from. It's like, oh, I'm from Peru. I'm from Jamaica. I'm from, you know, Slovenia, all over the place. Um, yeah. And in um, this, uh, this article, it talks about the unemployment rates in different ski counties. And you know what? They're like pretty damn low. Um, it's ex everything in this map is like between like two and four percent. Um, wow. Yeah. So, but they're saying that you know a lot of the resorts, big and small, are having time having a hard time finding employees. You know, due to the mix of the rural locations far from urban areas, housing shortages in resort communities, and the fact that locals don't want these seasonal short-term jobs. You know, if you go to Jackson, you, there's no one. I mean, I don't know how, as like a lifty or someone working at the, you know, any of the restaurants there, you can even afford to live there. I mean, we talked to someone in one of the shops there as an employee. I mean, she worked an hour and a half away to work in a retail shop. I mean, it's it's yeah. insane. So you know, if you have, well, I've actually looked at real estate in Jackson, and some of the real estate is desi designated as the owner can't live there, um, has to rent it out to um, seasonal employees. So yeah. you can own a place, but you can't live there, which wow. is wild. Yeah. So President Trump is allegedly eyeing an executive order that could overhaul or eliminate the J one visa among other cultural exchange programs, in an attempt to promote hiring more Americans to fill these seasonal jobs, according to a story published in the Wall Street Journal in late August. So, so there's a whole thing. Like, I mean, I know they talk about J-1 visa and then the H-2B visa. Yeah. Yeah, they said the H-2B so was two popular at uh, ski resorts until about five years ago when tighter regulations made those visas less appealing to employers. Right. So the tighter regulations doesn't mean you can't have workers. So I think, but they said they increased the number of H-2B visas that were allowed and they're decreasing the number of J-1 visas. So they're tightening the regulations which, so it's not as easy, but you could still get the employees in if you really wanted to, I guess. So what are the differences between the J-1 and the H-2B? Uh, all I've seen online is like there's different regulations of them. Mm -hmm. So let's see. There is one, one was meant to be a temporary work visa. The other one was meant to be a work visa for non-agricultural employees, but I think it's more of a longer term. So it's just, it's, I don't know. Hmm. All I hear is, yeah, 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 yeah. 
bada bing bada bing bunch of semantics and government nonsense yeah but it seems like you know they're not like lowering the number so which is weird like this is where i get a little upset about like what is the information we're getting provided with like all right i mean if if something's happening and you call face value that's great just call it out but i think there's something else going on here where if you're a company you're going to complain because it's easier for me to get j1 visas versus h2 visas uh i'm going to complain and say i have to do more work to get the j1 visa i mean uh the h2 visa right yeah so you're gonna say well i don't know if i like that so much of course you don't like that because you're trying to maximize profit do you think it's really just the uh the ski resorts being lazy I think it is. I don't know. I'm like, so a lot of the blogs I've, I've looked at is from the worker's perspective, there's a little bit of difference in like the amount of money they pay to get the visa. Um, but the biggest uh, difference is in what people have to do to get the visa because you have to like prove that you have a work shortage and to get the visa. So the J one is you just kind of say, Oh, well, I think I'm going to have a, a shortage in workers. Whereas the H2B is like, you got to prove you have a shortage of workers. You know what I mean? Like, mm, okay. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it's bad or, or if it's hurting, like I got to look into it more. I'm sure people are going to like blog us and like blast us for not getting on board, but that happens all the time. Um, <laughs> but I'd really like to see like, you know, so the bottom line is if you need, Ten, if you need a thousand people to work your resort, you're going to get a thousand people. Now, this is the argument. Like, so I'm Hispanic. I did construction for a while and had a construction company, and I, I paid people prevailing wage. And I've been in a situation where you lose bids because people are paying lower than the prevailing wage, saying, "Oh, I can get somebody in from another country that's going to work for lower money than you're going to pay." And I'm like, well, but you can't pay that lower wage because we're on the the union scale. So it's kind of this catch-22 where if you're going to pay union scale anyway, why wouldn't you hire uh, people in the country? And they're trying to claim that there's there's not people that would take union wage to do the same job that these people are doing. And I don't know. I don't really think they – I don't know if they pay or advertise for the same wage that they're paying, but I don't know. I yeah, don't it con- seems like it's just making an excuse to uh, to pay less. Right. So I, I kind of wonder. I mean, I've been up in uh, – so last time we went up to Whistler, we heard firsthand that these people um, from Australia uh, mainly and um, England were working for wages, and they just didn't have a place to stay. And I don't know if they were making lower wages, but – the place to stay was not good. They were, they were, there was just not places to stay. So they were like tripling up in like one bedroom apartments. It was just well, kind those, of messed those up. Weren't even Australians and Brits. They were people from British Columbia, like locals who just, you know, were living up there working at restaurants and bars. They just couldn't afford to live anywhere up there. Yeah. People were living in cars for like, they're like, yeah, I lived in a car for like 
a year almost yeah, we froze were, my ass off. You were talking to the one bartender. We're like, oh man, we're so jealous. You're like living the dream up here. He's like, dude, I just got an apartment. We're living in my car for yeah, for like a year. Yeah, he was all happy. He's like, I got an apartment. Like I'm, I was in my car. He said it's like people like checking on him, make sure he didn't freeze. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's messed up. And then you know that that's happening in all those all those kind of ritzy ski towns. You know, Vale, Jackson. Whistler, you know, the list goes on. We've talked about it in the past. And yeah, how do you, how do you stop that? How do you make it work? You know, there, there's no real silver bullet to fix this problem either. Yeah. It makes all this so, you know, so tough. Well, to it doesn't get out. looked at, right? It doesn't get looked at a lot. It's not important to most people. Yeah. Right. But yeah. If you're going there for a nice um, Waldorf experience, you're not thinking about like, where's this guy sleeping tonight? Like, I don't care. I want you to serve my, my meal. Right. Yeah, if you're staying at the Fairmont Whistler Chateau and you're trying to score some Coke, you don't care where that <laughs> Mater D is from and where he's living. I tell you what, we saw the most ugly American ever in the entire world at that Fairmont Whistler. Uh, he was a total douchebag. He was with his kids teaching them how to be a douchebag. Mm-hmm. And he was given the Major D a lot of shit. And I love the Major D. And the uh, the one next to him, like the major DS, like the the guy and the girl that were were running that thing, they were just like, "No, you didn't have a, a reservation." It's like, "Oh no, I think I had a reservation." They're like, "No, you didn't have one, and we don't have a reservation for you." And I was like, "I'm glad for them sticking to their guns." Remember that dickhead? The customers not always right. Oh, that guy was such a dick. The biggest dick I've ever encountered on a on a ski trip was that I was staying in. Uh, snowbird me and andrew were out there and we were staying at the uh the cliff lodge and on the top i think it's the top floor there's like i think it's called the aviary or something and they have a like a buffet breakfast they do and there's like an omelet station whatever you know there's omelets there's pancakes there's whatever it's really nice breakfast though so we're up there and i'm in line in the omelet station and there's this like douchebag father and couple of sons with them and the father you can tell is like filthy rich kind of like you know the way he was presenting himself and he says something to the guy making the omelet. It's like, you know, you could tell he was, he's a foreign dude. I think he was from Jamaica or something. Cause it said on his name tag and uh, he's making the guy, the omelet. And I, I didn't hear what the father said, but I heard the son behind him, what he said. And he goes, he must've been like 10 or 11. And he says to the guy making the omelets, cause they have, you know, all the different, you know, cheeses and you can do different meats and vegetables, whatever right. he goes. Oh, you know how I like my omelets, right? From yesterday. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? I'm like, oh yeah, this guy has been like thinking about your omelet order from the moment he left work that yesterday. Crazy fucking bump in the town. I'm going to burn yeah. your goddamn yeah, He's not worrying about like feeding his family and working his three other jobs. He's thinking about your jerk off little omelet. That's all he can think about and can't yeah. wait to serve it to you again tomorrow. Oh, I wanted to that. that you know what? I was even pissed off at the kid. I was pissed off at the father because that is a taut kind of attitude and action. I want to take that father's yeah. face and just shove it into the omelet pan and make that kid watch. Well, the guy at the fairmont was such a dick. He was like, his kids were by him. He's like, oh, no. And uh, we were on time for, I think, and the girl's like, no, we have you down, but we have it down for like a half hour from now. Like, we are busy. Like, we'll have your table when it's ready. And he's like, no, I called for my, my table. Remember, remember that? He's like, no, I, I said, it was like, she's like, no, we have you down. Like you, you called for like in a half hour. So your table will be ready in a half hour. And he was like, oh no, I don't think that's right. She's like, well, 
that, that's what I have down. And, and you know, it's like, but, don't worry. There's no thinking required from you. It's all yeah. written right here. The guy was such a dick about it. I was like, what? Come yeah. on. It's like, no, I was here like 15 minutes ago. She's like, you just showed up. I saw you show up. Like yeah. the guy was obviously like just lying about shit. It was like, it was just weird. It was surreal and weird. Yep. I don't know. Want to hit him in the head with a stake. That's what I want to do. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, you don't have to be a douchebag to like spend money. That That's the problem, you know? Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, let's talk about getting a job at a ski place, right? Mm-hmm. So Powder Magazine had the, has the uh, best job hunting website for skiers. Uh, now, they were talking to a guy that uh, started um, a job hunting website just for skiers. Uh, guy's name is Skinner, Guard Skinner. Uh, he's the founder of Ski Resort jobs.org and what he wants to do he wants to make the process a little bit easier make it more available for people to look for good jobs and he's not talking about seasonal bullshit jobs he's talking about like look resort jobs everything from like the head of like operations to like you know the guy running lift like why shouldn't it be like it's all about like managing your career so maybe you want to be like a lifty for a while but you want to manage your career up the ladder and like do something bigger. I mean, why shouldn't you be able to do that? So, um, yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he says, he's like every dollar made throughout my entire life has come out of ski industry. Um, and he started, started in 1981 as a bogus basin ski instructor. Huh. Um, so he's learned about the ski industry, like, you know, from the ground up and he decided he's like he saw a need and he decided to like try to solve a problem which is good yeah so he said, i actually reached out to them on uh facebook oh did you yeah i sent him a little message saying oh i love you know we love what you're doing about you know your your site and your company we're going to talk about it on the podcast and like yeah we're hoping it's a success so yeah they started following us we started following them um this is it's a really great idea and there's there's a ton of jobs out there right now if you yeah. go to the site, it's cool the way it's broken down. It's all kind of regional. So you can see in the different, you, know, you can target a different area and find all the jobs that are available in that particular area. There is actually jobs available in Japan. Nice. If you guys checked out our podcast episode number, was it 96? 95? With our buddy Kevin, Japan. Yeah, talking about Japan. Um, there's a ski and snowboard instructor and guide job available in Japan. Oh, I gotta let Kevin know about that. Based on uh, you know what he was talking about, it was it was pretty special. So, but I think it's great. Like, I mean, resorts are always looking for people. Like, how do you match up? So, there's always jobs available, and always people looking for jobs. But the problem is, they don't connect with what they are supposed to connect with, which is messed up. I used to do staffing for a long time. Like, when I got out of college, that's what I did. Like for a career, and it's like you want to match up people with the job that they want to have. And you know, when, when it happens, it's magical because though that person is like, it doesn't matter what I'm making. I'm doing what I want to do. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a, a ton of, of different opportunities and it's cool because it breaks it down also. So they have the, the list or the map where it shows the different areas and you can kind of do a search geographically, but it also has by different, you know, different fields, different categories. So if you're looking to do like snowmaking and grooming, that's one thing. Snowcat driving. Brian's there. 
I looked at it. So <laughs> one job available for snowcat. No experience drivers. necessary. Well, there you, there is certification required. So there is a company, <laughs> Safety One, out in Littleton, Colorado, and they have a course you can take. Um, they have a course in Littleton, Colorado, in Auburn, California, and in Heber City, Utah. And it's a four-day, 32-hour course. Wow. Um, being a snowcat operator certification. So four I days? Love, I would love one of these days, years, whatever, um, to do a whole – like imagine going out there and doing that and doing like a podcast – about the experience of learning how to be a snowcat driver. A remote podcast while we were how learning. That'd be great. dope as shit would that be? There's like a maximum of eight people for each one of these courses. And it talks oh, about it. like, you know, there's classroom training at first where it's like winter survival and environmental factors. Then there's like snowcat mechanicals. And you go into the field and it's snowcat operations. Um yeah, there's like it's a cool breakdown of all the stuff that it does. Now, the only prerequisite, I love this, <laughs> prerequisite to be a snowcat driver is students must have mental and physical aptitude for operating equipment in the backcountry environments. Yeah. That's it. I like it. I like it. You can make that work. I like it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an eight-hour uh, Can we take it in uh, December? Unfortunately, the classes are in uh, January, I think January, February, and oh, wait, there's one in December, December 11th through 14th in Littleton, Colorado. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's, the, that's our ski bum week right there. That would be pretty awesome. I'm just saying, just saying you get back to work, you settle in, and they'd be like, I got to go to ski bum week. Um, Only four days, not five. Just saying. I'm going to Snowcat. <laughs> driving <laughs> I'm gonna live the dream we can live the dream dude I think we can get your buddy Nick on board too <laughs> I might be get a few other people to become certified you know you go out there you do a you first you get your snowcat certification and you get your uh, avalanche certification oh yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm thinking we could do it all in one, one shot man right knock it all out all right. Like what you, I smell what you're cooking. Uh, I'm writing that down right now to look into further. Right. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah. We might have an intern that might help us get information, but yes. that's it if I call him. Yeah. Because I'm slack that. on that. I'm very slack on it. Yes. We need you to take care of that. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Just saying. So, yeah. So, it's in Littleton, Colorado, the, uh, the first course of the season. So, yeah, that would be pretty awesome. Nice. Get it. Yeah, but there's a lot of, I mean, the ski resort jobs website is pretty awesome, and there's, you know, any sort of field you're looking to do in the ski industry, you know, construction, snowmaking, working in a shop, um, even like you're know, working at the resort doing marketing, communications. There was one gig I was like, this sounds amazing, at, uh, in Silverton, Colorado. Oh, Silverton. It was the uh, web services developer. So you work on the website. You take care of the computers. Uh, why don't you apply, man? I know. I should, but 
I was just a pussy. I could have been hanging out with you right now, just like living off you. Is what I'm saying. Ten year ago, me would be all over this. I'm not mad for you. I'm mad for me. I'm mad for the fact that you denied me the the ability to have the ability to possibly mooch off of you and skip. Just say, Mister Goddamn Selfish over here. Just, yeah, I'll, no, it's all for you because you know I'm all about you providing me that opportunity. So I would love for you to have that opportunity to provide for me. That's what I'm saying. And I too, too wish I could prevent that opportunity <laughs> that happened for you because I feel like I'm letting me down by letting you down. Dude, you, you're so letting me down, but you're letting you down, which is letting me down. So I, I feel even more sad. Just saying. It's like a multiplier right there. <laughs> it's like a fractal. It's like a infinitesimal <laughs> exponential. This is like where you see bad parenting. This is this is what you're talking about. This is Inception right now. It's, really, really, really. <laughs> it's a little Inception. It's a bad Inception. Um, I mean, your mind laying eggs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so skiresortjobs.org. You guys are doing an awesome job. Um, yeah, hopefully you guys continue this and keep putting out a great product because this is a great site. And I guess that wraps up the ski news. And what are we talking about today, Brian? Uh, so the world has been in a bit of flux lately. Um, we're not getting into politics or any of that, uh, just based on the sort of natural disasters that have been rolling by the last few weeks. You know, there's been Hurricane Harvey and then Hurricane Jose and Hurricane Maria and then the multiple earthquakes down in Mexico. So we're just taking a step back and um, we're looking at all the the relief options that are available because, you know, if you're in skiing and boarding, you know, you're, uh, we're living pretty charmed lives. You know, we have a, a decent amount of um, you know, disposable income. We, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're living pretty privileged. So it's, it's always important to take a step back and, you know, make sure that people who are a little less fortunate and who are unfortunately stuck in a dire situation right now, we can at least do our part to, to help those folks out. I think it's gone past the, like the point of like, it's not even people that are unfortunate. It's like people that just lived in a certain area. It's messed up. Like you look at the Florida keys, they're wiped out. You look at like, um, whatever Naples, Florida wiped out. Like, um, a lot of the islands in, in the Caribbean just wiped out. Like there's nothing, even the affluent people were wiped out. The poor people, like everybody well, was mean, wiped out. You know it, what I mean? I mean, uh, those areas, I mean, Puerto Rico got it really bad and they had a terrible infrastructure to start with. I mean, yeah. Key West, they're saying they're, the cruise ships are returning earlier than expected. Um, I know I have, my wife's family is uh, in Naples and they actually, um, they left for Georgia when it came through. Um, they lost some, you know, some shingles on the roofs. Uh, you know, the lanai was damaged, but you know, they, uh, they, they, they did okay. Um, yeah, there was definitely particular spots that got it worse than others. Um, it's totally like definitely like where you lived, and it's kind of like Sandy up here, right? Yeah, I mean, you it doesn't matter block. Few feet. If you were one block and you know you were three feet above the the next block over, you were it was a complete night and day. Yeah. So like the keys kind of got there's parts that got wiped out. I mean, there's places that got flooded out, wiped out, but it's not like just so 
I got to say, like, this is one of the things we were talking about before. It's like, this is something that came to surface when we were talking about what are we going to talk about today? Like, we really got to do something like, like, try to help people make sure you go out and donate or do something because it's not even one little area. Like, there's a lot of area of the U.S., of other places, like, just in the world that have gotten messed up. Like, people need help. It's not just one thing because usually when when a thing happens like when one big disaster happens it's usually one disaster right like so for a few months it's it's one disaster in one place and you're like all right people help out and and things like that this is like i gotta say like seven eight nine ten different places are really messed up right now and i've never seen this in my life it's it's crazy yeah i mean i guess the the closest really bad one was Katrina and then there was that other hurricane right behind it that was also almost not not as strong as Katrina but it was you know the um I think a category three or so yeah um yeah it's just uh I mean something that's unheard of you have little islands that got hit by two category fives in a row that's never been seen that's absolutely insane you know I mean, one category five in a lifetime is crazy, you know, but two of them in a row, it's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, Hurricane Katrina, then Rita hit right after like less than a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, this is within weeks. I mean, it, they haven't even cleaned up. It's just, it's just nuts. I mean, I have relatives in Puerto Rico and right now as it is, um, my mom got in touch with one of my aunts and they're okay. But there's another cousin and uncle and a few more, another aunt and a few more cousins that we're still trying to account for. And it's like a third world country. Like, you can't call anybody. There's, there's no cell service. There's no uh, power. Um, they're going to a local central place to report that they're okay. And then you call that place and they're telling you that they're okay. Like, that's what it's got down to. I mean, Oof. it's nuts. Yeah, so so Puerto Rico and Turks and Caicos pretty much took the the brunt. Yeah, with this storm. Um, yeah, they're saying that Puerto Rico could be without power for months, right? Yeah, because the infrastructure sucks so bad. Like it sucked before the hurricane hit, and they're saying like it just it, it crippled them, and to the point where. People might be out of power for like a few, like four, three to four months. And I'm like, that's insane. You know, when you think about it here on the mainland. Four uh, hours and we're freaking out. Yeah. I mean, but there's other islands too. Like, so Puerto Rico got messed up like with that. But then there's like, oh, so Puerto Rico is U.S. territory. If anybody doesn't know, you know, so it's part of us. Uh, there's always, a, um, it's not a commonwealth, is it? It's um, I think it's considered a commonwealth. Um, it's it's a U.S. territory. I mean, it's commonwealth, whatever. Um, but then there's the other U.S. Vir- uh, Virgin Islands that got messed up too. I mean, like you know, there's the British Virgin Islands using like St. Thomas, St. John's, um, Barbuda, uh, Turks and Caicos, like just recently. But like Barbuda got hit with two Category Fives in a row like three days apart is crazy, you know? Um, I don't know. Some of these places are going to be a long time to recover. Um, but there's, there's stuff you can do. So 
you know, Brian, you looked up a whole bunch of places that you can like donate. Um, I think one of the golden rules when you're going to donate, make sure like you leverage everything you can to donate, especially if you work for a place that will match your donation. You know, uh, I donated the maximum this year for like everything. Um, and my company matched hundred percent, which is great. And That's I'm going to awesome. keep donating, but it, it, it doubles your donation, which is, it just helps, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, we'll post the link to this in the show notes. This was an article in, uh, from the New York times and it broke down a bunch of the different groups, the different charity groups. Um, so some of the local ones are con PR Metidos, uh, Dominica hurricane relief fund. There's some, some GoFundMe's that have verified campaigns. Unidos por Puerto Rico. And then there's the national, the bigger global charities that, you know, you've probably heard of all hands, uh, AmeriCares, Catholic relief services, convoy of hope, direct relief, global giving international medical Corps, And, um, but they do say also make sure you check out charity navigator, which is a good resource because it kind of shows how much goes to the actual people from the, yeah, that's important. Cause yeah. And there's, there's, you can go look up like the red cross and how much, you know, corruption they've had over the years. And, you know, it's painted kind of an ugly picture. Um, but yeah, if you go to the yeah. charity navigator, it's, um, it shows like the best charities and how much they actually give back. But even if you, if you don't, if you can't donate money or you don't want to, you could donate time. You could donate um, food, clothes. I mean, think about it, like people are losing everything they, they even had, you know? Um, and this is not uh, an unregular occurrence. This happens like every year with something, but this has happened in mass scale now across several different areas, which is un, unheard of, unseen. Um, you had, it's kind of cool to see like celebrities come out, like J-Lo and Mark Anthony came out about Puerto Rico. J.J. Watt came out about uh, Houston. And they've done stuff to try to raise awareness at least and, and at least try to promote uh, people like helping other people to get back on their feet, so. Yeah, I guess the now with Harvey, the big thing in the Houston area was that the storm just kind of stayed there, right? Like, wasn't I mean, it was yeah. a it was a strong storm, but it just kind of you know stayed. It didn't move well, on. It came inland, went back out, gathered more water, and then came back inland again. And mm-hmm. it just dumped so much water. They had tons of flooding, a big storm surge, and uh, I think the, what what got them bad was the flooding. Now, Barbuda, like all the Caribbean off. islands, were. They got really ravaged by the winds, winds and storm surge. But like the winds ripped apart stuff. Like I saw, I saw pictures today where there were like containers, like houses that were just like it looks like an explosion went by because like there was shit that was just like how did that happen? Where the house like peeled back? Like it was crazy. Like that's wind. Mm-hmm. So it, it was nuts. I was like, I couldn't even imagine being in that place. You know? Yeah. And then too, you know, there was the hurricanes and there was also the earthquakes that happened in Mexico City. Oh, and Mexico is reeling from that. Mexico City is the most populated city in the world. Yeah. Now they had two earthquakes, right? Um, I don't know if they, they had one that was an 8.1, which is in, 
insane. It was a big one, yeah. And wasn't there like a, a, an aftershock or there was something else? I think. They oh, had they had an aftershock. So I actually saw somebody talking about it, and they said Mexico City is built on a an old lake bed, right? So mm-hmm. they basically built the city on the lake. And they said the problem with that versus something like San Francisco is like San Francisco will magnify it maybe 40% because of the the structure of, of what it's built on so you have the earthquake and then everything above it rocks a little bit more like 40 percent of, of what the earthquake is they said mexico city because it's a soft lake bed everything vibrates like probably 100 percent more than than what it moves so like if it moves 10 feet it's moving 20 feet all the way up so they said that that's another thing that caused a lot of devastation to like what happened there so it's kind of Oh, it's crazy to think about, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. Imagine, you know, the population. Some, you know, because Mexico City is the most popular, populous um, city in the world. I mean, imagine if New York City had like a massive earthquake like that. You know, yeah, that's not even the most populous. I mean, think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, if was, New York City had an eight point one, there's like shit would be really bad. Yeah. I remember I was in the city a couple of years ago and there was that little minor earthquake. I mean, it was, it was not. Oh, were you? Yeah. I remember I was sitting there, like I was, I was uh, sitting at my desk and my coworkers, she was sitting on my desk kind of talking to me and she's like, Oh my God, do you feel that? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I looked and over. Said, oh no, I feel the motion. It's really happening. Right. Well, I looked over and I saw my water, <laughs> like my water was rippling. I'm like, Holy shit. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And this yeah. was probably 2012, 11, something like that. Damn. And, like, we all just bolted. We like left the building. We're like, screw this. <laughs> yeah. I like how they tell you, no, Nothing. stay calm, remain calm, stay in there. Like, no, I'm out. Fucking leave. Yeah. <laughs> there. There's one thing I've learned from 9-11 and people that were like, people that I knew that were down there, like, get the fuck out of there. Exactly. <laughs> asses and elbows, man. That's all you see about me is asses and elbows. That's right. So yes, yeah, so the um, we'll send a link. We'll have the link on the show notes of all these different charities. And then one other one that I participated in, and we've talked about in the past, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, and you know, there's there's hundreds of of different cryptocurrencies that exist right now. But yeah. um, one of the ones that I've been into for a couple of years now is one called Pink Coin, and their whole big thing is, you know, they're um they're a much cheaper cryptocurrency than Bitcoin. You know, right now they're running, it runs for about like between two and three cents per pink coin. Um, but the thing is their whole platform, their whole model, their, you know, their whole white paper, what they talk about is they're all about altruism and they're all about helping people. So what they did was they actually coordinated a, um, a donation campaign where they allowed people to donate, you know, whatever cryptocurrency they wanted to, and they would collect it through a, a third party, and then convert that over to U.S. dollars and donate it to um, a couple different charities: the Center for Disaster Philanthropy, Direct Relief, and Habitat for Humanity. So oh, nice. they ended up raising almost twenty-one thousand dollars in different cryptocurrencies, and um, were able to donate them to these groups, which, which was really oh, that's cool. good. It's really, it's a really great thing. And um, there's another, um, another group that's doing like a Bitcoin aid for Mexico City um, that's listed on their website as well. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's nice seeing a lot of different groups, you know, coming together to help because, you know, we are, 
extremely privileged folks and we uh, we live in an amazing time and an amazing place and you know these people have uh, you know been affected in ways we hope to never have to deal with or imagine so you know any yeah. mark that you can make anything you can do to help is is uh you know appreciated by everyone more than you'll ever know and there's different ways there's uh there's there's food drives there's clothes drives um there's a big blood drive out right now which i never i never really realized it until i talked to somebody that was like connected with like um the american red cross so like you don't realize like there is like a shortage of blood so somebody comes in like injured and there's no plasma there's no blood to like give them that's that's pretty messed up so like they're in jeopardy of dying because of because of that so if you want to donate it doesn't cost you anything just go out find a place i mean they're out everywhere just donate blood i mean it it helps everything you know um it helps your local area. It helps the the broader area because if your local area is taken care of, they, they can send that blood over to, to other places, you know? Um, it's just, it's, it's a big deal. Every little bit adds up to a, to a big impact. Yeah. And donating blood really, I mean, it costs you nothing. You know, it, it spends it's 20 minutes of your time really. And some cookies, know, right? You get cookies, usually a little <laughs> And, you know, once you're done, I mean, you're making that blood back in a day. You know, yeah. it really doesn't affect you at all. It's actually healthy for you to give blood. It is. One thing you should not do is you shouldn't go play hockey the night you gave blood. <laughs> all right, let's talk about stupid shit we've done. I, mean, blood. I did that one time a couple of years ago, and I felt like I was going to die. It was the worst <laughs> feeling. I can't even, like, describe it. It was, like, dizzying, and like it, it was just... That's awesome. It was, it sucked. Yeah. So what, uh, one time in college I ran 10 miles and then I gave blood. Oh. <laughs> like, I didn't know why I was so tired. Afterwards. Also not a good idea. <laughs> like I had the cookies and juice. I was like, I'm good. Right. They're like, yeah, yeah. I ran ahead. Go. Buddy I was with, he's a little woozy. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you got to run harder. <laughs> Step it up. It's so stupid. Man it up, man. Walk it off. Just walk it off, bitch. That's how you discover what you're capable of, right? That's right. Rub some dirt in it. Come on. We're walking this off. Uh, that's awesome. So, yeah, so we'll post all these links in there in the show notes and you can check it out. And um, yeah, hopefully you can do your part. So yeah, check it definitely. Out. It's good on right. podcast.com. So on, a, on another note, so Hurricane Irma set the record for Waffle House closings. Ah, oh, that's true. Isn't that awesome? So there is an indicator. Now I heard about this like in a roundabout way the last few years that the the actual the government actually looks at Waffle House as an indicator for how bad um, something affects an area. And you know what? It really is a good barometer for like how messed up an area is. So the they're saying the Waffleometer. <laughs> so they actually have like terms for it. They're like this is like the Waffle House. Uh, so Waffle House actually works with the government, like the corporate people. They're like, no, we'll tell you like, um, you know, what's going on. So they have 1900 locations total. Um, and they're saying like with the, with the last set of hurricanes, there's about 157 locations that were shut down and they pride themselves on not ever shutting down. So FEMA actually goes to them and actually set, you know, they actually communicate back and forth and they tell them like, we're going to shut down. It's, it's gotten too bad. So they actually have this like whole mantra of like, 
if they close down, their employees don't um, earn a living and the people that want uh, food aren't getting food. So like, it's kind of like beyond like, let's just stay open. They have like reasons why they want to stay open and it's kind of cool. So during both Irma and Harvey, the company helped provide temporary housing uh, shelter to employees who lost their homes. And the company's even been known to dispatch the infamous or an infamous Waffle House food truck uh, for disaster relief. So they've been um, kind of involved in this in a long time, which is which is kind of cool to see, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, if you go to their website, they have a whole bunch of stuff about different uh, – not about the hurricane. It's about – they actually have <laughs> catering available. Nice. From the Waffle House. You know, I'm trying to remember if I've ever eaten at a Waffle House. Oh, I've eaten at a Waffle House. Many, I was in North Carolina for a few years. So. I feel like I have, but I could be wrong. 24 hours, anytime you can, in an area where everything closes at 2. I'm just saying. I feel like I may have... There's one in Pennsylvania? There's got to be in, in PA. Wow, there's some in Pennsylvania now. That's new. Bethlehem, right by the uh, Sands Hotel or uh, Casino. Yes. There's one just before you get on the exit to get on the highway. I've seen it. Wow, this is <laughs> never. Uh, I'm trying to remember if I've been to a Waffle House. I feel like I might have once in like North Carolina or something or South Carolina. Well, that's kind of usually how it is. It's kind of like I feel I've been here, but I don't remember. That's the Waffle House experience. Like, yeah. I ate food and it wasn't expensive, but it was good. It's kind of like this, the, the, all right. So up in the Northeast, we're a little spoiled because we have diners. Yeah. Like everywhere else in the country, you don't have diners. So it's kind of like you go down to North Carolina, Pennsylvania, you have a Waffle House as a diner that's open 24 seven. It's great. It's just funny because you look at the map and it's almost like they're allergic to our area. <laughs> There's none in Delaware, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine. Well, it's too much competition. We have 24-hour diners already. You know what? That's one of the things when you get out of the Northeast, you do forget. Yeah, you, you yeah. take it for granted that diner is there 24-7 waiting for you. Like I said, 3 a.m., you want something to eat? Waffle House. You have to. There's nothing else open. Yeah. It's crazy. So that just shows how dire things are is that 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 many waffle house is actually closed so check out all the information at skibonepodcast.com and now it is time for under the ropes yeah all right so first off today this is from the group anonymous which is They've kind of uh, grown in popularity over the years doing particular hacks and um, doxing of of particularly no good people. Um, And they have announced that there is a a Harvard study proving that Apple slows down old iPhones to sell millions of new models. Hell yeah. I'm waiting for the class action suit on this. This just came out. Now, it is by Mr. Robot, the article. So fuck yeah, I love Mr. Robot. <laughs> the fantastic show, I agree. <laughs> um, 
So it talks about if you were Apple, what tricks would you utilize to increase the sales of your latest product? If you know corporations, you know they use any possible trick that can, uh, any possible trick they can as a generality to increase their profit. Think of how huge a factor it would make the sales of a new iPhone if old ones became slower. Of course. <laughs> People have made the or it didn't work. observation that their Apple products become much slower right before the release of a new model. Now a Harvard University study has done what any person with Google Trends could do and pointed out that Google searches for iPhone slow spiked multiple times just before the release of a new iPhone each time. Dude, I had an iPhone 4S and they actually told me the reason the camera doesn't work is because the OS, they said, go back to 6.0. I was like, really? You want me to downgrade my phone? They're like, yeah, that's the only way you're going to get back the function of the camera because they fucked up the function of the camera knowingly in the next OS. Hmm. Yeah, I'm still rocking my iPhone 6. Yeah, I got that too. And it's definitely starting to slow down just at all the basic functions. So now I guess I'm going to be forced to get an iPhone 10. Jailbreak it, man. Jailbreak it and put some other shit on there. That's what I'm saying. That seems like a lot of work. <laughs> I want the new hotness. I want the new edge-to-edge, big screen, all that fanciness. Tip to tip. You got to put the tip to tip together. I want it all. I want it all. I want the new fanciness. I'm glad my phone is Damn. slowed down. Hey, I've had it for three years now. I think it's I'm time It's time for an upgrade. It's a perfect good phone. What you're going to do is turn it in, and they're going to give it to somebody in another country. So what they're going to do. That's a beautiful thing. Donate to a homeless person. They charge them goddamn money for that. My Siri hasn't worked in like two and a half years. See? This is why. So you have the 6 or the 6S? 6. 6 Plus, right? The first right? giant phone they came out with, the 6 Plus, yeah. So I have that first. I had that first giant phone. Had the same problem. I, I had a. Uh, I was eligible for the trade-in, so I gave it in. Work said we'll give it after like twenty different approvals. They actually said, "Yeah, we'll give you the six S plus." So the six S plus, everything works fine. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. They fucked up the OS. I'm telling you, man, it's horrible. You you do code. You know how it works. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take this statement out. Fuck that function. Yeah. Hey, well, Apple didn't become the wealthiest company in the world for nothing, right? All I know is I'm pretty pissed off because while they're fucking up my phone, I got Apple stock and it's still not moving up. Took a downturn. Just saying. You bought it too late. Same. No, it's up overall, but I'm saying like the last two days. Fuck that. The last two days? That's your time frame? Oh, yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm about now. I'm about now. They were talking about the Apple Watch and everything's come out. Like the Apple Watch sucks. And you know what? It's going to suck. It's the first generation of an Apple Watch that is going to get like like Wi-Fi or internet, whatever. It's going to get service. Cellular. Yeah, it's got cellular. cellular. Yeah. I'm like, it's going to suck. Like you have to understand it's going to suck. And people are like, oh, no, this is great. Oh, I want to run out and get an Apple Watch. And they're going to complain about it after. It's like, fuck up. That's what people understand do. It's gonna be a, you have too much understand it's going to be a piece of shit. Ease of life. And uh, things yeah, are too simple for us, so we find the little things to bitch about. I am, right. I am considering getting an Apple Watch just for an experiment because now that they have the new altimeter uh, functionality in there, 
you can see how far you've traveled and there's the uh, ski tracks app available. So it may, uh, I really want you to get it because I really want you to tell me how much it sucks. I don't know why you're coming at this. It's such a negative point of view from the start. I hope it's great. I, I was a big hater of the Apple f- Watch for the longest time, but for some reason, this one has definitely gotten me excited. And uh, this is the only I'm one I'm excited about. But I think they're going to fail on the first try, and I think they're going to get it right on the second try, and it's going to be magical. Yeah. But perhaps this is what, what pisses me off is this is what the Apple Watch should have been from out, out of the out of the starting block. Well, think about the freaking dipshits that bought that $18,000 original Apple Watch. Oh, I love that because they're such How, dipshits. Why would you consider <laughs> doing that? And I don't think they did that for the next two, did they? It was only that very first initial one that had that you know super crazy gold <laughs> Apple Watch. You want to go in? Pay for everything that we've developed. It's awesome. Yeah, Those guys are on to the next one. They probably already have the Apple Watch the second version of the one that you're trying to get because the one that's fixed, they probably already have that version out because they're, just all, for those they're all like Bilderbergs and they've all kind of exactly back in time, with the reptile people and they've already exactly. Now you're talking, now we know we're talking the same language now. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. With, uh, with Paul McCartney, all the people that like died are still Paul Jim Morrison slash Rush Limbaugh. Jim Morrison. I said Paul McCartney. Sorry, Paul. I didn't want to rush you. Uh, it's sir paul McCartney. Sir. Oh, oh, oh oh is it really sir paul the new one is sir paul the old one who died he never got third what about if you walk up to him and be like hey paul what's up is he gonna be like hold on a sec i'm sir paul is he gonna be that pretentious to say that he's like sorry mate you're talking to me <laughs> i didn't think you're talking to me because you didn't say sir <laughs> yeah would you really call him sir i'd call him uh yes i would you respect the crown that much to call him, sir? Oh, I love the crown. I think uh, you know, I think inbreeding and stealing from people over history is so important to be celebrated. I'm just saying we fought and we won. I'm just hoping Game the over. queen lives to be 150, <laughs> so there's another diamond jubilee. You say the queen for the queen. <laughs> Go to the videotape and check it out and see what I said. <laughs> All right. All right. On that note, there's a man that set himself on fire last year. And he's just come up for the court case this year, which is why it's a story. Let's talk about this. Let's break this down. So, Lots on package here. Nur, Nur Islam is the guy's name. He was 22. Caught on camera, he's walking into a bank. He's sitting there, standing at a bank, going, I'm really pissed off. I'm going to try to take out, uh, what do you say? It was $442. Trying to take it out of his account. Nobody's paying attention. They're tied up with other people. He's a little pissed off right now. So what do you do? I'm going to go outside. Goes outside, goes to the gas station next door, buys 11.33 liters of petrol, because it's in wherever it is, not in the U.S., uh, for $14.71. That could be pounds. It's not going to state, but uh, comes back into the bank, pours the petrol, walks into the bank with these, this bucket of gas, which I don't know any bank that you've been to recently, Brian, but like, I'm kind of think they're taking you down at this point. So well, uh, I was at a bank last Friday and it was a, it was a, uh, a chase bank. 
And this was after Jamie Dimon made those extremely negative comments about Bitcoin. And uh, then was it bring company, your own gas Friday. Was it, was it bring company, your own gas? Then his company, picked, you know, scooped up the dip. Um, and oh. I walked in, and Shiny Happy People was playing by REM. And I like that. That's a good tactic. I wondered if they just looped that all day, so those dummies working there <laughs> just would just drink the Kool Aid and believe everything is okay, and that the banking industry is fine, and that you know probably do. But did you see any? Did you see any opportunity to bring in gas? <laughs> I saw several. Actually, really? yeah. Let's talk about this because that's pretty fucked up. It was just a big open space and everyone was listening to shiny, happy people and being shiny and happy. So, you know, they probably wouldn't have thought a second thing of it. They'd have been like, oh, you got gas for me? Thanks. You brought me some gas. Thanks, man. There was no, like, security guard or anything (laughs) getting up front. Damn. All right. So this guy brings in gas. He makes a line from the ATM into the bank's interior. Like a Wiley Coyote pouring the gasoline down, right? (laughs) He's fucking, yeah. He's like, why car? Nobody says a goddamn thing to this guy. He says, boop, There's got to be the music going, like, and he's pouring the gas, pouring so the gas. Is Noor Islam, let's not be racist, but is he, uh, he's Islamic, I'm sure. I don't know. He's fucking stupid for putting the gas. Like, so he goes from the ATM onto the middle of the floor, whips out a cigarette lighter, says, boys, hold on to your girlfriends. Do you remember that, Pugs Bunny? Come on, man. No. I can only do this once. I can only do the trick once. He anyway. Allah Akbar. <laughs> and he drops he drops the mic. James. Everybody's all upset. He burns down. All right. So let's see what else he burns down. He destroyed $2.5 million of the building in damages and injured 33 people, including children. Isn't that fucked up? Yeah. Well, the craziest thing is the video footage of it. Yeah. I mean, you see people just bailing out. He's in like shorts. He's like, he's got a bucket of gas just walking around, man. It's fucked up. Nobody takes him down. For $442. God damn. I don't know. If I'm like the rent-a-cop, I'm taking that guy down just on principle. Like He just looks to be taken down. I don't know if they even had a rent-a-cop. There's like some dude in the corner with like a suit and tie. He was like, hey, hey, hey. It's like a baby stroller. Like, luckily, the baby stroller got out of there. People are like bolting. Dude, it's fucked up. So he actually survived. He was in the hospital with sixty percent burns to his body, and now he's facing the uh, uh, what they say. He's facing it's it's different. He um, neat charges including arson and property damage by fire. Oh God, yeah, they pretty much threw everything they could at him. <clears throat> Rightly so. That's pretty fucked up. And then, then again, jerk off lawyer is like, well, you know, he suffered the most uh, significant and catastrophic, catastrophic injuries as a result of this incident. Course shit all over. <laughs> Look at people just fucking hauling ass. Like I'm getting the fuck out of here. This guy's crazy. Yeah. See each other. And the dude lights it. And he's fucking instantly on flames. And he's right around. The manager's like, he gave him a stiff arm. I love it. It's fucked up, man. Yeah. Yeah, 442 bucks. Hey, well worth <laughs> Worth it. That's right. Worth it for saying, don't fuck with me. God damn. The manager, he's like chasing a manager. 
That's that was the scary thing is like how like oh people are. And you never know, like you're just driving down the street, you know, you're in a two lane road, one lane, your direction, other lane. <laughs> I love the reaction of everybody in that video. They're like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Well, those are smart people. They're like, get the hell out of there. Holy shit, man. He went up in flames. Yeah. And he's like behind some dude that like pushes him down. It's awesome. Folks, don't be doing that. Don't be setting yourself on fire in the bank. It's not worth it. Well, it's great for like YouTube and like the entertainment factor. Just don't do it. It's horrible, man. Yeah. That's horrible. Oof. All right. On to the next story. Way more baller and fun. So now there's a Porsche super yacht. What? Regular yachts are for suckers. Oh. So just this I'm looking at this. Nice. Porsche unveiled the GTT 115. Uh, launched in Via Reggio, Italy. It is, quote, the modern gentleman's super yacht. Damn. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, let's get some deets here on this bad boy. It is, uh, can sail overnight, over 21 knots maximum with a cruising range of 3,400 nautical miles. Hmm. They're saying there's only seven units available, so hurry up, because they're only. Because we're picking up two of them, so there's only five available now. Only sixteen point seven million dollars. Sixteen point seven million dollars. And I'm sure that's like ghetto down, like oh oh, you want like the the baller package? We gotta you add on some shit the on there. Dembo brakes on there, and like the special seats. <laughs> that's right, y'all. You want your your. Name your initials in the carpet. Okay, we could do that, but that's going to be an extra. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you want some sort of like hoe slash wood chipper installed in there? <laughs> <laughs> that's another thousand dollars. Did you get a wood chipper on that thing? A hoe slash wood chipper. Oh, yeah, they got like a whole high tech kind of like graphic of it, like yeah. getting built. I like it. It is a uh, 35 meters overall, and the yacht offers the versatile spaces and feeling of a much larger vessel. On top of this, the GTT 115 is finished to the highest quality and looks super cool in her fashionable rhodium gray metallic paint. Nice. So let me ask you: Do they give you like keys or like a hat or like a shirt to actually show off to everybody when you're not on the water that you have this boat? I think they give you special velvet slippers. <laughs> That'd be cool. Maybe yeah. racing gloves, like driving gloves or something. I don't know. It's got, you should get something. I think the velvet slippers really sends the message. That, that really does. As long as they're monogrammed. If they're not monogrammed, I'm not believing it. Just saying. It's crazy how Porsche has kind of gone. You know, they were, you know, obviously they were an amazing car company now they've just kind of like gone into all kinds of other weird things. Like there's this whole like Porsche design. Yeah. You ever seen that? It's like by Adidas, Adidas to you American folks. They have a whole like Porsche design line and it's like, Oh, you well, want to do that with like Ferrari and stuff, right? You want a $95 polo shirt that the Adidas version is like 40. We have the Porsche design one you can get. It's got a different button. That's more aerodynamic. <laughs> And enhances how yeah. fast you can button your shirts by 0.1 second. 
<laughs> well, that's thing is like you mentioned like Ferrari. Like it's like if you see a dude wearing a Ferrari T-shirt, that dude does not own a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they actually have a um, I think it's um a Ferrari or shit. It's Ferrari, Mercedes. Like they all brand themselves, and they have um. There's actually a Breitling that is. Oh no, it's the um. Oh shit, what is it? It's a Breitling that's modeled after the. Ah oh, crap! The Bentley. Oh Bentley, yeah. It's a Bentley sign. So it's it's kind of like these products are like putting stuff out, like modeled after stuff. Well, no, Puma they sell Ferrari clothing. I guess they're in, you know they must do some of the motorsports. I don't know if they do the racing suits or just like the uh, the pit crew or the team. Oh, really? Affiliated with them in some way, yeah. I think BMW too is affiliated with uh, with Puma. You see, like douchebags right. wearing like M, BMW like M T-shirts. They probably don't have one. Yeah, but they have the. Usually have the full suit. They usually have the full track suit, which is fucking so European and awesome. It's like Dude, I love a good track suit, though. That's a good look. You're waiting to be Jason. You feel like Jason Statham getting chased by those guys. You right? like you like to be in the in the zone with that. I haven't had a full track suit. I my uh, dad and sister went to Germany in nineteen. Was it? I think it was 1999. This was before 9/11. This was before all the you know shit got retarded. They went there with like a couple of extra suitcases. My dad came back. So the, I got back. I was in school at the time, and I came back home the night they they got in. The entire dining room table was full of like Kinder chocolate, which is like that <laughs> white and awesome. black chocolate. There's like the the eggs they have. They have a toy inside. There was, oh, they have it now. There yeah. was dozens of those there. There was a table full of chocolate. There was shoes. There was clothes. My dad brought back a gallon and a half of schnapps in his suitcase. Like, again, there was shinking. Rocket fuel. Just rocket fuel. Just pure Svechkin, rocket fuel. Svechkin schnapps, the plum schnapps. It was a different time. You could actually bring a barrel of schnapps on the plane with you. It was in bottles. It was good. So, so fuck you, Osama bin Laden, because you're the one who stopped us from bringing schnapps back. Dude, I remember bringing chocolate on like it was like a brick. I didn't realize how heavy chocolate was until I'm bringing it. I'm trying to smuggle it back. And I'm like, yeah. it probably like a giant bunch of C4 in my, in my bag. <laughs> Yellow it's cake. Horrible. Yellow <laughs> cake. You're, you're, they're like, ah, it's just chocolate. Just keep going. But then I had mm. a, I had a, um, a Nachman uh, Tiger. This is like this tiger figurine out of like lead glass and the lead makes it look like it's just a piece of lead and it is kind of shaped like a gun. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I'm Frank Fred Air, but like you got to open the bag. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, whatever you got, whatever you want. So I take it out. They're like, yeah, yeah go ahead. It's not a gun. It's just a stupid <laughs> figurine. So the reason I brought that all up because my, uh, my dad got me this like, Deutsche Fußballbund, like the German, you know, national soccer team, like a track. So you got to break that out. Oh, dude. World Cup, baby. Nice. It was like the pants and like World the Cup. jacket. Oh, I don't think I have it anymore. You don't have it anymore? Dude, they got me these pairs. You got to get it. Well, he got me this pair of sweatpants and I, I don't know what happened to them. So they were black sweatpants. And this was like when the whole like three stripe, like legs, like, like three stripes yeah. down the side of the leg was like super cool. So these pants, they had the German soccer logo on like the mid-thigh area on the left side. 
but the stripes down the side, it was one red, one yellow, one black. It was pretty nice. freaking awesome. They were, they were, that was a sweet tracksuit. My mom got me a tracksuit, the only tracksuit I ever owned. She decided, like, talked to the other moms, like, oh no, the tracksuits are in. She just went, found one on sale, boom. Purple tracksuit. Purple. Nice. One purple. Dude, I wore that around like I was a fucking pimp. You thought I was, you would have thought I was like running hose. It was crazy, man. I was like, what's up, man? I wore that jacket oh. forever. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I actually ordered a uh, a purple blazer that's supposed to be coming tomorrow on Amazon. <laughs> Willy Wonka? Willy Wonka style with the hat? You got to order that little, brown hat. I the hat. It's got the blazer. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's called like uh, Plumberry or something. I can't wait for it. Uh, we got to get you a, uh, uh, a brown hat. That'll Ooh, work. A purple, Willy Wonka that shit. Purple velour tracksuit I just found online right now. Oh, velour. That's the velour plush is, of all. That's, that's next level. Velour is like some like, Pablo pimp. Escobar shit. In a pimp cane, you fucking set, man. Dude, fucking purple velour. Yeah. That's where it's at. I'm thinking a uh, a white cane. <laughs> Dude, you got to watch The Deuce. If you guys haven't watched The Deuce on HBO, it is fantastic. Nice. Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. So I'm on this website. It's called sweatsetto.com. <laughs> Sweatsetto. I'm going in it. So you can get this like purple velour tracksuit with gold piping. And you can actually get like custom embroidery. You can get rhinestones embroidered. Get out of here. You this can be- website you- is the shit. Sweat- so they have it pre-bedazzled for you? No, it's customized. Ooh. So it's S- I didn't find Sweatsetto. S-W-E-A-T-S-E-D-O. Sweatsetto. 80% cotton, 20% polyester. That's apparently the uh, match. I did sweat seto with two T's. Oh, S-E-D-O. And it comes in 3XL for our larger fellows out there. You can get it embroidered. Oh, my God. Did you see the Beer Fest trackies? You can get now front, we're talking here. You can get front and back embroidery. Damn. Hip embroidery. You can get rhinestones. Oh, my God. I want to get the Uncle Frank. I'm talking black velour sweatsuit, black piping, black on black on black. This is a fantastic. (laughs) You don't get it on the back. I'm going to get my name. Just Mario. Boom. Right across the back. Or I'm going to do like uh, a nickname. So apparently they made fun of this like on uh, the Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Ah, burnt orange. They said, (laughs) the quote is, in New Jersey, it's important to be comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're going for the Irwin, aren't you? I'm going for that purple one. That That's purple the, per- the Irwin. It's called the Irwin. The Irwin? Irwin. Irwin? Oh, yeah, the Irwin. That's the one. Oh, That's look at that. One. You're in for the Irwin. It's a little light purple. That's a beautiful track. Song. I like the citrus blue. That sends a message. Went to green. You know, the big bird ain't bad. Uncle Larry. <laughs> There's a doo-doo brown. There's doo-doo brown. <laughs> Where's the doo-doo brown? I see the burnt orange. Right after that, next level, next oh, row. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's going to happen. Doo-doo brown. Love it. Doo-doo brown. <laughs> Big bird. <laughs> Dude, I got the doo-doo brown with the piping on the side. And my name on the back. Uncle Tom. Mario. Mario. Boom, boom, ski bone. 
Dude, we need these fucking tracksuits. Oh my god, they're gorgeous. All right, high food ski We're gonna have these for sale on there. We're gonna get our logo on the back of this bitch. That would be right. rhinestones. Shit, yeah. Oh my god, that is classy. Why not in rhinestones? Kidding? Fuck purple tracksuit. This changes my entire like life outlook. Stacey's, if I have this, I Stacey's can. This is pretty baller. I feel like if I have this, like nothing could stop me from accomplishing my dreams. It would change your life for the better, wouldn't it? Oh, it would make you a better person, right? When I on my deathbed, I would think back. When did things change and point me in the direction where all my <laughs> dreams came true? It would be the time I bought that goddamn purple with gold piping tracksuit. It's the Uncle Larry. What is it called? Damn it! <laughs> I want the Irwin. The Irwin. The Irwin. This is the time I got the Irwin. It was fan- It was fantastic. Nothing was the same ever again. Nobody ever looked at me the same after that. Oh, you can get a dragon on the back. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. There's a picture of one guy. He had a embroidered in the back. It says White Russians. And there's like a little White Russian drink below it. <laughs> nice. We get one that says White Powder. White Powder. White Powder. You get a big dollar sign back there. Boom. Oh, my God. This website is so glorious. You've linked us onto something fabulous. we got to put that this in the show notes. I'm telling you, this drink this drink takes you down rabbit holes that are beautiful. Oh, all I know is one thing that our interns going to have to wear is a goddamn tracksuit that we design. if we can get a package deal. Oh, yeah, we probably can. We're getting the big pot leaf on the back of your purple tracksuit. <laughs> no, on the, uh, I want it on the pants. Like the right by the embroidery. Right, right on the genitalia. Mm. Big pot leaf. Yeah. Instead of fig leaf, it's pot leaf. Just yes. Here. Wow, that was a tangent and a half. I love it. Whew. But we All got right. on to something good. I didn't remember that. That's true. Because you can't talk about super yachts and not talk about velour tracksuits. Dude, nothing it says baller like hanging out on your super yacht with an Irwin with embroidery. Just saying. I know. I know. And bedazzling. It's a game changer. Or a big bird. Big bird. <laughs> big, <laughs> big bird. Sometimes like a totally purple boat screams big bird on top. Just saying. Well, purple and yellow are complementary colors. So That's what I'm saying. You get the, the purple boat with the big birds. The whole yeah. crew. Well, big birds. With the purple boat, you get the yellow velour tracksuits. On the yellow boat, you get the purple tracksuits. Exactly. What's the captain wearing? He's wearing a big bird. Big bird. Big bird. Yeah, All yeah. Right. All right. Um, so <laughs> I think we're wrapping this up with, uh, oh, no. Next story is uh, the teens. Yes. Uh, that's all you. All right. So apparently today's teens are lame as hell, study finds. <laughs> they don't care about tracksuits. You know, they're not whacking people. They just suck. They don't even wear tracksuits. What's up with that? Research, no, they wear whatever their designated uniform is that's given to them. They don't question it. Research indicates teenagers are waiting longer than ever to date, have sex, drink booze, and drive. What? Gone are the days of America's youth getting hammered, smoking doobies, and obliterating mailboxes with garbage cans. Yeah. Without that, just like the lame-ass millennials who came before them, teens are now total squares. A new study from psychologist Gene Twenge of San Diego State University found that teenagers are waiting longer than ever to date, have sex, drink booze, or drive, the Washington Post reports. 
Twenge and her fellow SDSU psychologist, Hee Jung Park, published a study in Child Development Tuesday, unveiling data they've collected from more than 8 million teens from 1976 to 2016. What they basically found is David Wooderson's nightmare, whoever David Wooderson is. Um, is David Wooderson the guy from uh, Days and Confused? Oh, it is actually. All right, all right. Oh, uh, it is, right. right? All right, all right. Among high school seniors surveyed from 2010 to 2016, 67% drank compared to 93% of those surveyed in the late 70s. 63% had been on a date, down from 86%, and 73% had a driver's license, down from 88%. It's horrible. Just 62% of seniors surveyed in the 2010s had had sex compared to 68% of those surveyed in the early 90s when surveys first collected data on the topic. I blame that on porn. Dude, I think, imagine seeing, imagine having access to freaking you porn at like 12, 13, 14. Like, I don't need that sex. I just go home and I see some crazy, ridiculous stuff. I think it would destroy. But the driving thing, I've. Good. The driving thing, I've actually verified. Like, there is my nephew, uh, my buddy John, his son. They they have no desire to have a car and drive. They're like, no, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll Uber or I'll I'll take mass transit. I'm like, what? Like, when I was your age, I was like trying to get the fuck out of the house. Like, I was like trying to get off the bike and just like get out and whatever. It was crazy. Do you think it's that like parents are just like life is too easy for these kids, so they don't have this like need to? That's what I think it is. Get out. Yep, that's what I think it is. I'm a guy I work with. He's got you know three kids, and um, yeah, they just they have yeah the the same thing. The daughter like she uh, was eligible for her license like two years ago. Hasn't even bothered getting it. She just doesn't care. Like doesn't need it. It's like I'll just Uber somewhere. My friend will pick me up. Whatever. Well, sometimes parents are okay with that because if they're a licensed driver in the house, their insurance goes up like a shit ton. Yeah. <clears throat> so my sister was actually had a uh, agreement with my nephew that like, why don't you wait another year to get your license? Because our insurance is going to skyrocket. And they're in Florida. It's, it's, it's Goes up, but it's not like crazy like here. Skyrockets from like five hundred to five fifty, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, whereas here, it'd be like you know fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred. You know, it's it's crazy. Dude, my buddy had a Dewey, and he was paying almost like ten grand a year in car insurance <sighs> for horrible. a Dodge Neon. Oh, yeah. Way to go! Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. Um, but yeah, so they're all set on just like no, no. I'll take Mass Transit. <laughs> Or I'll take an Uber or I'll have somebody pick me up. Like they're they're cool with that. And I'm like, you're gonna be cool with that until you like you wanna have stuff of your own, which I guess they get it later in life. They're like, Yeah, I wanna have my own place, wanna be on my own. Yeah, you gotta get a car, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I think I it's gotta be that things are just too easy. Um I know I waited an extra month to get my license. I don't remember why. I was kinda lazy about it too. But I was ahead of my time. I was a millennial before millennials really were popular. Yeah. I was ahead of the. I was a hipster before it was even cool to be a hipster. You, um, lazy yeah. for hipsters everywhere. But that's what it was. It was just too easy. I could just you know get rides from people. I you know I. It didn't matter. Like I was able to get rides. So you know it's, if if you if there's no struggle, there's no fight. And if you, if there's no demand, you're not going to fight for it. So you know if it's too easy. 
and you have Uber and you have other options, what's going to be the big deal? Why do you make the effort? Well, the other thing too is, I mean, you think about stuff that's changed like since growing up and now you're allowed to have people, <clears throat> you're, you're allowed to have your kids on your insurance till 26. It used to be like, look, you're 18, you're on your fucking own. Like it was different. It was like, I can't take care of you. Like your parents, even if they wanted to, they're like, yeah, I can't take care of you. You're, you're on your own. Now it's kind of like you're still kind of connected. So <clears throat> I don't know. We're, we're enabling. It's an enabling society is really what it's becoming. Pretty much. I mean, I know a lot of kids, like a lot. So I, I know a lot of kids from the parents' perspective. Uh, they come home from college after the last year and they just hang out. They're like, well, I'm looking for a job. It's like, okay, did you look today? <laughs> like, no, I was going to meet up with friends. It's like a different attitude. It's like, there's no urgency. It's like, I'm going to hang out at mom and dad's house. It's like, yeah, that that's nice to have that luxury, but like, it's too comfortable. Yeah. That's the, that's what it is. It's too yeah. comfortable. I, I lived at home for a bunch of years after college because it was so comfortable and easy. Yeah. I mean, I lived at home, but it was like, it was a struggle. Cause I was like, yeah, I shouldn't be here. Kind of, you know, I, I did it because I had to, but I didn't want to do it. Um, I think, people now are like, Oh yeah, at least I know where my kids are and stuff like that. It's like, they're not kids. They're like, they're over 18. They're, they're still like in their twenties. Yeah. So kind of 22, 23. Part of my attitude was, and again, it was, a, it was a stupid attitude, but I was always like, cause my, my parents had a really nice house. It was in the middle of nowhere. And you know, the area wasn't, wasn't fun at all. But I always said to myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm like never going to live in a house this nice when I have to live on my own. And that was my excuse. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you lived in like a, a shitty house and your family life was terrible, obviously you want to get out as soon as possible. I had it like really good. So that's, that's what kept me there. That's why I didn't, you know, bother trying to get out before my time. So, yeah, you know, in a no, way, it's good. I mean, socially it was, it was crippling. That's for sure. But, you know, yeah. financially it was great. So, you know, you pick your poison. And you know, we kind of talked about this, the story a little bit earlier and one of the things we kind of talked about is, you know, you really are rebelling against whatever your parents are doing. And, you know, if you have parents who are quote unquote cool, they're having friends over, they're drinking, you know, they're not, not ridiculous, but you know, they're, they're, they're doing what's in the 30 to 60 year old age range is considered pretty cool. You know, the kids right. are going to see that and want to do the opposite. Like that's stupid. We don't want to drink. We don't want to yeah. act like assholes. Like we want to just, you know, hang out online. Many more older people are acting like assholes longer. So it's kind of, you know, maybe it dissuades them. I don't know. Asshole for life, baby. <clears throat> so I'm saying you never, you never stop being an asshole. Just saying. It just becomes different <laughs> levels, you know? Speaking of assholes, um, <laughs> um, in, what was this? All right. Speaking of assholes, uh, there's a wife that smuggled meth in to her husband that My was wife. in jail. My wife. <laughs> she brings it in in her vagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Candy McCary smuggled um, meth balloons in, in it, while she was visiting an inmate, which was her husband. Um, they said her husband, Casey McCary, uh, was able to swallow four of the balloons before prison officials interrupted their activities. So obviously they got caught. They were exchanging something and people are like, well, you can't 
like he just ate something. And I guess it's a common thing for like smuggling stuff in. So um, he was placed in a cell to await the digestion of the balloons and subsequent passage and recovery of the drugs, which is a common practice if they believe you swallowed some kind of contraband. So authorities say after five days, he passed the balloons, but then ate the evidence, including those balloons. Oh. After four more days, he, those four balloons were passed the second time uh, and recovered by prison officials. So he actually <laughs> swallowed them and then ate them again and then passed them again. And it's like human centipede. He's like his own human centipede. Fucked and up, man. And of course, I'm sure they were very sanitary, those balloons after they came out the first time, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not thinking he's in like a sanitary area. Uh, he may not even have had access to a bathroom. So uh, I'm thinking he's swallowing duty. Oh, so. God. Well, now, first off, so how did she get them to him in the first place? I've I watched Orange is the New Black. I know how. <laughs> well, I don't think they strip search like visitors before they go in. But they're supposed to like not touch. So maybe she had it like she put it like maybe they pat you down, but she put it like somewhere intimately where. God's pocket. That's God's pocket. Um, and then she passed it to him and he just gobbled him down. And they're like, well, well we saw that. And that's it. <laughs> then you crap him out and then eat him again. With no water, maybe no washing off of anything, no Purell. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you didn't have chili. Um, just oh, saying. And pork and beans. Oh, this guy's in pork and beans tonight the night before. Oh, <laughs> I really hope it was because you know what? They deserve to have that. I wonder. If, like, so the balloons didn't break at all, right? They just kind of they stayed intact, going through his whole. Uh, his I don't whole even know, but I think she gets charged now with something else too. She gets charged with. Some aiding and abetting or some shit. I don't know. I guess they can prove in some way that she brought them in, right? Yeah. After he shit them out for the second time, after eating them again, <laughs> they have the evidence that like she passed something to him, and it was what came out of his ass. Second it was time out, not twice as delicious. That's for sure. <laughs> magically delicious. It, it was in my ass. <laughs> not like the watch he held in his ass. So his, I guess, his intention was to sell it. Is that the move? His intention was to wear citrus blue and sell that meth in the yard. Or Big Bird. Just saying. He his, he, to get a velour jumpsuit? Yeah. He was going to wear the Irwin, the Big Bird, or the citrus blue. These Maybe the Green Machine. I don't know. Aspirational tracksuits here. Yeah. It could have been Uncle Tony or Uncle Larry. I don't know. I'm all about the Irwin. It depends which one touched him more. But yeah. I'm imagining he's he's... Where he's swallowing a bunch of meth, he's thinking of Uncle Tony. Yeah. It's a rough way to go. It's a, and the guy's still alive, so God bless him. And I, uh, I don't know how he's going to – how do you go on from there? Like, what's the next move? It's what's a slippery point? slope, which I really hope it's a slippery slope because if it's not, like, it had to be hard to choke it down. Oh, just imagine it just caught, like, in your throat and just, like – And his open. duty, like, on the side of his face and, like, you got something like, – I can't even talk to you. And what happens, like, what if the duty, like, creates some sort of crazy <laughs> chemical reaction with the crack? Oh, my and God. Meth. One of the things he has, like, meth in his stomach. It's crazy. Just meth duty freaking super drug. I mean. All right, let me ask you this, though. If, if you're addicted to meth, 
like probably have tasted duty at one point in life. I'm just saying, if you get down to that road, like you've been through a lot of stuff, right? I think uh, tasting duty is probably like in your top 10, like least concerns. That's what I'm saying. You got way bigger problems. I've tasted duty before Joe Rogan. (laughs) 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 I've had this taste in my mouth, Joe Rogan. Taste duty all the time. (laughs) I like crack. God, dude. It's horrible. I'm here for the five o'clock free crack giveaway. (laughs) God damn. Yeah. All right. And on that note, I guess that about wraps up for the old week, huh? I think it does, man. Yeah. I got nothing left. We got our big. That one took a lot out of me. That one, I think part of our souls were left on the podcast there. Yeah. There's a lot of of hopes and dreams crushed up. But there is the uh, allure of the velour. Of the velour. Yes. The velour still lives on. Yeah. So next week, we've got the big 100th episode, which we'll be doing in uh, our, our my new basement studio down here. Mario nice. will be here, and we'll uh, we'll do that one up. Maybe okay. some guest stars. Yeah. We're going to see. Yeah, we're going to see. Cavalcade of guest stars. Yeah. So we're looking forward to it. Hope you guys are as well. Check us out. Skibonepodcast.com. You got all of our info there. Got the socials, facebook.com slash podcast, twitter.com slash podcast, instagram.com slash podcast. Find us on Pinterest as Highfalutin, and we are also on SoundCloud as highfalutin skibum. So thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out next week, and we will talk to you then. Stay high, stay pollutin. No math. <laughs> no math. Uh, that's awesome. Ha <laughs> ha